We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Spurs Up Show, the best Gamecocks podcast on the internet. Today is Monday, October the 18th, 2021. Today's show, I break down Saturday's game as the Gamecocks find a way with some late game heroics to get their first SEC win of the 2021 football season by a final score of 21 to 20 over the Vanderbilt Commodores. Guys, I'll break down the game in its entirety. I'll also talk my biggest takeaway from Saturday's win. I'll hand out some TSUS game balls, talk slap big of the weekend, hand out our weekly cock of the walk award, as well as again, guys, South Carolina finds a way to get the job done in front of the home faithful guys. Also, we've got news and notes to get into your listener questions, your voicemails, and a great throwback conversation, throwback interview with former Gamecocks running back, Ryan Brewer. Of course, guys, an all-time great, one of the best to ever wear the Garnet Black. Guys, I was able to sit sit down and chat with him two summers ago to break down his South kind of career. So again, a fantastic conversation. And we've got a great show for you here on a Monday, and it's all brought to you by our friends over at Upstate Movers Group. Guys, Upstate Movers Group, superior moving service. They bring care and attention the companies can't offer because they're just too busy maintaining trucks and profiting off of them instead of focusing on service. Guys, service is what separates Upstate Movers Group from the competition. They're not a trucking company. They're a moving services company, and they're also employee-owned co-op. The movers are paid twice the industry average, and everyone on the crew is invested in your success. They have dedicated professional crew members, and they also offer black gloves service. They offer end-to-end packing services, custom crating and packaging special items, and cleaning services as well. They are founded by Greenville Natives and University of South Carolina alumni, guys, so a Gamecock owns small business. They also offer 20 years of project management moving experience, and they can offer logistics and solutions that traditional moving companies simply do not have the skills for. Guys, whether in the upstate or across the state of South Carolina, if you have any moving needs in 2021, be sure to check out our friends over at Upstate Movers Group. You can find them on social media, at Upstate Movers Group, of course, if you have any other questions, go to their website, upstatemoversgroup.com. That's upstatemoversgroup.com. Be sure to check them out and tell them Chris from the Spurs Up Show sent you. Let's get it. Many emotions 
Saturday afternoon at Williams-Brice Stadium. Jubilation, disappointment, embarrassment, confusion. But as I sit here today, folks, and I am excited to talk to you all, and I'm very, very amped to share my thoughts on Saturday's win, I got to admit, man, I'm exhausted. This football team, this program, it takes it out of you. But, hey, here's the good news. We sit here on a victory Monday. Stress on that word, victory. Always keep perspective. It always could be worse. And certainly in this case, it could be worse. We could be speaking under much different circumstances. Here in the Monday, but the Gamecocks are four and three. The Gamecocks have their first SEC win of the 2021 football season. And we're going to break it all down here today on what sort of feels like a bit of a therapy Monday, even though South Carolina came out victorious. And again, guys, I'm really excited to chat with all you. Thank you all so much for tuning in, guys. I am Chris Phillips, host of the Spurs Up show as always. Happy Monday. Hope you are all doing well. And again, I hope this show finds you well, no matter where you are, what you're doing, whether you're on the commute, you're in the office, you're on the job, you got the day off, whatever it might be, guys. Again, like I said, I did wake up Sunday, and I'll be honest, I was exhausted. I was tired. But you know what? When I get behind the mic and we have the opportunity to chat with one another, I think you guys probably understand what I'm saying is like just the draining feeling from that football game on Saturday and the way this football team drains you of every ounce of your emotion. It almost feels like we played in the football game. It's crazy. But again, guys, thank you all so much for tuning in, guys. I do want to start and say thank you to everybody. Uh, it's always really, really cool on game day when I'm able to go in the stadium and be around the tailgate and meet different people and conversate and hang out. And it's it's really cool even too, guys, is, is meeting some of you and especially in game and after the game, many of you saying, Chris, can't wait to hear your comments, your thoughts on the show on Monday, all that good stuff. And again, that that just that really means the world, man. That's like a dream come true that people actually look forward to the podcast. They look forward to the commentary and the banter and everything I have to say. So again, guys, thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. The continued love and support uh, all those that I met around the stadium in the stadium in section three, by the way, shout out to section three, the great seats. Shout out my guy, John Strickland and Ryan Brewer sitting with those fine gentlemen, some great Gamecocks in their own right. Uh, it was a really, really cool, fun time, of course, outside of a large portion of the game on Saturday. But again, guys, thank you all so much for the continued love and support. The tailgate was a massive success. I thought Saturday was a mass massive success and a great weekend in the city of dreams. So again, guys, thank you so much for that continued love and support, man. I really, really, truly do appreciate it. I cannot say thank you enough to each and every single one of you. All right, before we, before we knock this out, guys, a couple of housekeeping items. First things first, we are back at Carolina Ale House this weekend watch party in Greenville South kind of guys not at the downtown location though we will be at the Woodruff Road location for the South Carolina Texas A&M game doors open at 11 kickoffs around or is at 7 30 yours truly will be getting there probably around 5 or 5 30 or so to watch football and hang out and set up and all that good stuff but again guys would love to hang out and party with some upstate Gamecocks yet again of course for the East Carolina game we were up there had a blast would love to have you guys come back out going to be a really good time and who knows maybe we can pull south kind of through to a huge 
road upset win over the Aggies. But again, we're back at Carolina Alehouse in Greenville, South Carolina. This time, the Woodruff Road location. All those details are on social media. Again, guys, would love to see you out there. Also, quick reminder, we're back at 10 Roof this week, 5 to 7. We will be live there. So again, we're in the Vista at that 10 Roof location. Would love to see you guys out there for that. Uh, and also, guys, hey, when the Gamecocks win, you win 20% off all merch using the promo code TSUS until midnight tonight. We also dropped a ton of new merch, you know, with it cooling off a little bit. It's crazy. In the city yesterday, it was like 60 degrees. I was wearing a hoodie in my house. I'm like, dude, what in the world happened to the weather? But uh, it is getting that time of the year. We dropped a ton of new merch that includes long sleeves, pullovers, hoodies, everything you're going to need for the winter when it cools off. So again, all that new merch and 20% off using the promo code TSUS. That runs until midnight tonight. So again, be sure to check that out. TSUS.store is where you can find all of that. All right, let's dive into it. South Carolina beats the Vanderbilt Commodores 21-20 to in dramatic fashion in a game that certainly was much closer and much more dramatic than I think any of us thought it was going to be. And where really do you start with this one? Um... You know, it's just crazy how this game went in regards to, you know, I thought South Carolina early on, you go up 14 to three. I'm thinking to myself, okay, hey, my 31 to 10 prediction, the Gamecocks getting a blowout whenever Vandy, it's there. It's going to happen. We're rolling. We're cruising. And then all of a sudden, you just go dead for the next two and a half and really three quarters until the very end of the game when Zeb Nolan is inserted and he leads you down the field in dramatic fashion and throws the game-winning touchdown. I, I, I don't understand why this team can't get out of its own way. And I, I'll start with this, too. Because all the, you know, even though South kind of won, as you can imagine since then, there has been a lot of finger pointing and blaming, whether it be coaching, whether it be the quarterback, whether it be the offensive line. Guys, let me make one thing very clear. First things first, you know, I, I wasn't sure how I wanted to approach today's show and really how I'm even feeling because – you know, on one hand, yes, you beat Vanderbilt by a single point and you looked bad doing so. And it's just so blatantly obvious the issues, deficiencies, problems this team has top to bottom. But guys, I'm talking coaching, players, personnel, execution. It's all bad. Nobody did a good job on Saturday. That includes the coaches. I'm a Beamer guy, but call it for what it is. Nobody had a good game on Saturday. Nobody did a great job on Saturday. However, would they be, however, with that being said, when you have perspective and you have gratitude, hey, you're sitting here at four and three. You hit the over in Vegas, which, by the way, let's stop questioning Vegas and, and what their thoughts are on this South Carolina football team. I know they listed you as an 18-point favorite in the game against Vandy, but uh, I'll tell you what, the over-under three-and-a-half win total that we thought was so foolish, so crazy in the preseason, seems like that was the number for this team because – Yes, you hit the over, just seven games in your season, but you look at this football team now and you say you wouldn't have been crazy to pick the under three and a half with the way this football team is played. So it's almost a minor miracle that you're sitting at four and three right now with the way you've played and the way you could argue you really haven't made great strides from week one to week seven, especially on the offensive side of the football and all your problems you have there, and we're going to get into that much more in just a second. But you do sit here at four and three. You got your first SEC win of the 2021 season, and, uh, hey, you've got five more games to go. 
it's going to get much, much tougher. And I'll be honest with you guys. I don't know if South Carolina is going to win another game this season. I, I really don't. I really don't. But sitting here today, present moment, having perspective, you are four and three. You did win the football games. So I don't want to spend this entire show being negative Nancy and being negative for the sake of being negative, guys. We understand the problems and the issues and the things that are facing this football team. Now, what I will tell you all is this, and I mentioned this after the Tennessee game, that you're not going to get that fire, insert whatever name, energy from yours truly. I do not think it is wise to overreact or emotionally react one way or another. With that being said, what needs to change? Does something need to change? And if Shane Beamer deems at the end of the season that a change is necessary, hey, I'm rocking with Beamer. I'm riding with Beamer. So be it. But I'm certainly not going to lead the train of calling for a Marcus Satterfield or a Greg Atkins or insert whatever coach's name head. Because it is year one, and it is a brand-new staff. And, I, you know, this is why I said in the preseason, guys, this is why I said in the preseason we were talking about expectations and predictions and projections. You know, I had the Gamecocks at six and six, okay? I had the Gamecocks at six and six. But I also mentioned this, if you might recall. I said gun to head, I think five and seven is much more likely than seven and five. And my reasoning was this. I think it is more likely that South Carolina has far more problems and deficiencies and question marks than fans are willing to give credit to. And that's not just on players, by the way. Hey, a first-year inexperienced staff, that was a huge question mark going into this football season. In a way, and I say this respectfully, again, you guys know I'm a Beamer guy. I don't think I have to say that over and over. But in a way, in this year one, it's almost like the blind leading the blind. Because you've got this ragtag roster, bunch of dudes that are being led by coaches that have never navigated an SEC football season, that have never navigated this level of play. So everyone is learning on the job in some capacity. And I will tell you all this. I still, sitting here today, again, it is year one. There's, there's, there's nobody on this planet Earth that can sit here today and say, oh, the Shane Beamer era is going to be this. There's nobody that can sit there and say that and say that they're going to be 110%, right? Because we just don't know. So I'm choosing to still believe and be optimistic for the future of this program. With that being said, hey, guess what? You didn't coach well Saturday. You, you didn't. You didn't. And that's what's so confusing is like, it finally looked like early in the game, you did have some some flows, some rhythm, you know, offensively, especially you march right down the field in the opening drive and get a touchdown. You're thinking to yourself, wow, there it is. And I just think to myself, what changed? I, I mean, what changed for this football team after that first quarter? I, I truly don't understand. And again, we continue to see it, though. A lot of self-inflicted penalties, a lot of self-inflicted errors and wounds, I should say, fumbling the football, turning it over which of course has to lead me to Luke Doty in the quarterback conversation, because I'm sure that's what many of you, many of you are tuned in today for, because you want to hear me say I was wrong. You want to hear me admit that I was wrong about Luke Doty. Guys, I'm going to start with this really quickly. Luke Doty played like dog shit Saturday. He played terribly. 
I made the joke that he looked like me playing NCAA 14 on Heisman mode because he did, right? He did. Overthrowing guys, missing guys. Guys, if you want to know his exact stat line, Luke Doty went 17 to 27, two touchdowns, two interceptions for 242 yards, by the way. Okay. With that being said, yes, he played terribly on Saturday. Does that mean that his career is a complete wash and he should transfer and he should just sit the bench and should never play again? And he has no type of hope for his future at South Carolina. No, I don't believe that. And I think that's an overreaction and that's people just completely overreacting to one football game. Now, with that being said, in regards to the scope of this season and moving forward and what you do at the quarterback position, because, hey, tip your freaking cap to Zeb Nolan and what he did. Coming in on the last drive, which I thought it was crazy, it's like, now you're going to put him in? Now you're going to put Zeb Nolan in in this situation? With this on the line? And all Zeb does is come in and go five for eight for 75 yards and throws the game-winning touchdown and looked comfortable doing so. I mean, it looked like seven-on-seven, Steve Spurrier-esque type of offense where it was like, you know, with Coach Spurrier's offense, your quarterback has his drop, ball should be here, deliver it, receiver better be there, he's going to catch it, boom, boom, boom. It was a thing of beauty on that final drive. It was a thing of beauty, truly. Going back to Luke Doty, though, here, guys, is, is what concerns me. In the scope of this season, the final five games, and we've talked all season long about the offensive line and their struggles and their issues and, and, and what they're not doing. And again, of course, guys, hey, no surprise, no secret. You ran for 112 yards, 3.5 yards per carry. You are who you are at this point. You are who you are on the offensive line, which is not very good. You're just not going to run the football anything near what you did a season ago, not even against the Vandys of the world. So there's no reason to think in these last five games you're going to run the ball worth a damn, okay? but. It was really cool, and I've sat this low a couple of times, but sitting in Section 3, and I think we're the 10th row of Section 3, and when you're that close, you can see a lot of things that you don't normally see or notice when you're much higher up, upper deck, whatever. You can see body language. You can see players communicating. You can see emotions, which is really, really cool and gives you some insight, kind of an idea of what's going on. What concerns me, is some of the things that I saw from Luke Doty in his interaction with his offensive lineman. And, you know, I saw Luke Doty and Eric Douglas bickering quite a bit on Saturday afternoon. I saw Luke Doty and his offensive lineman definitely, without a doubt, not on the same page and the frustration from both sides. So what does that tell you? Well, it's on the offensive line, but it's not all on them. There are situations where Luke Doty is putting the offensive line in bad situations, miscalling protections. And that's something that concerns me and irks me a little bit. It's like we are seven weeks in now, and you're still having what feels like elementary issues. Those are issues that should not be happening. I understand Luke is a young quarterback. He is a very young quarterback. And guys, like I said, I know many of you, and we're going to do the Daily Crow all week, and hell, we got some voicemails or people are saying, Luke Doty's done. He's not an SEC caliber player. He should never play here again. I'm not reacting to that level, guys, because I'll tell you this right now. I don't care who the quarterback is. And I voiced that after the game on Saturday. I don't care. 
Okay. I want to see South Carolina win football games. I know many of you, you out there think I'm some, you know, Luke Doty jock rider, and it's just ride or die with Luke Doty, and nobody else should ever play. I've simply made the point all season that I didn't think Luke Doty was the number one problem with this football team, and far from the only problem when it comes to the offensive side of the football. I thought Luke Doty had done a very, very good job, and he had, by the way. He'd done a good job protecting the football, taking care of it, and not putting it in harm's way. Well, that changed on Saturday. That changed on Saturday. And we heard Shane Beamer after the game say that, you know, Luke's foot was bothering him and they wanted to put Zeb in. How much of that is true? I I don't know. I I don't know. But I can tell you this, because I I think moving forward, moving forward, right, the decision under center is very simple. And I know many of you just off the jump are going to say, you have to start Zeb Nolan because because of him leading that game-winning drive. And I totally hear you and understand that. Here's how I see it. In the preseason, because I've been wrong at this point, in the sense of I really thought the offense was going to carry this football team. I, I really did. And it has not. There's no, there's no question. It has not, right? And Luke Doty, you look at his rushing stats on Saturday, five carries for negative one yards. He was only sacked once. Five carries for negative one yards, gained 11, lost 12, Okay. But I said in the preseason, talking about the offense, that the reason I thought the offense would be better is because Luke Doty's athleticism would be the difference maker. Luke Doty's athleticism would give this offense a dynamic that it would not have with anyone else under center. Okay? Because all we heard last year was, hey, Luke Doty runs a 4-4. He's this, he's that, he's agile, he's, he's quick, whatever. And he still is for sure right now even the most agile option at that position. However, it's no secret he has not been what we thought he'd be in that facet of the game. So, if Luke Doty is not 100% and, hey, has he been 100% at all this season? I don't think he has. I don't think he has. So, I think what needs to happen, Shane Beamer, Satterfield, everybody involved needs to sit down and say, hey, is Luke Doty 100%? Yes or no? If the answer is anything other than a resounding yes, Zeb Nolan needs to be your starting quarterback. Bottom line. End of discussion. Because from what I've seen, a 90% even Luke Doty is not better than a 110% Zeb Nolan. And what I also don't want to do, guys, is overreact to one drive, okay? It was an impressive drive. Zeb Nolan has cemented himself as a Gamecock legend, truly. And the video he had in postgame on Colton Gothier's Instagram, incredible, right? Incredible. Just an old man doing some good things. Put that on a freaking T-shirt. However, what I'm not going to do is overreact to one drive. Because give all the credit in the world to Zeb Nolan. Also, Vanderbilt's defensive coordinator should be fired for that soft, weak-ass coverage on that final drive of the game. And if you roll with Zeb Nolan for the rest of the season and you roll with him against Texas A&M, I like Zeb. Hey, guy's a legend. It's a great story. 
I think you'll see Zeb return back to mere mortality, if that makes sense. I mean, we saw this guy against EIU throw that game out. We saw him struggle mightily against East Carolina, a team that does not have a good defense. And I know that was so long ago and so early in the season. But, but I just want to make the point, I don't think Zeb Nolan is some guy who is going to be inserted in the starting lineup and is going to go out there and, you know, lead the Cox to a 5-0 and finish. And, you know, would South Carolina's record be different right now? Would it not be 4-3 and had Zeb Nolan started all season? I don't think so. I really, truly don't. But that, that to me, that, that, that is a simple conversation. If Luke Doty's 110%, if his foot is truly 110%, because here's the interesting thing about it as well. Because the argument between some is, you know, do you play for the future and let Luke Doty take the growing pains and, you know, deal with the adversity of, say, going on the road to A&M, playing the Floridas, playing the Auburns, playing the Mizzou's, <clears throat> playing the Clemson's? Or do you think more so about right now? And it's like, who gives us the best chance to win football games right now? And is it Zeb Nolan? And if so, he should be playing. Guys, again, I'm not going to sit here on a Monday. I'm gonna, we're going to talk about this all week long. I'm not going to sit here on a Monday and give you my, my campaign speech for one or the other. All I care about is South Carolina winning football games. And so whoever gives the Gamecocks the best chance to do that right now is the guy who should start, in my opinion. Again, I am not giving up on number four. I am not giving up on Luke Doty. I know so many of you have thrown in the towel on this kid. Is he an imperfect player? Does he have issues and deficiencies and things he needs to fix? Absolutely. Zeb Nolan is also not a perfect football player. He has issues as well, again, that we have seen earlier this year. But play the guy who gives you the best chance to win. Bottom line, end of discussion. I know that sounds sort of like coach speak. I know that sounds sort of like no duh. But if Luke Doty's 110%, and hey, if you want to open it up for a competition, why not? Why not? But I will tell you guys this. If Luke Doty's 100%, I would be shocked if he's not starting against Texas A&M. I, just, throw, just don't shoot the messenger. That's just my thoughts and predictions on it. So, again, the kid had a bad game. Luke Doty had a nightmarish type of game, especially after that first quarter. But I am not giving up on him as a potential solid SEC quarterback for South Carolina. Play the one that gives you the best chance to win with this group of guys moving forward. We will all support whoever that option is, whoever that choice is. Moving off, that, off of that, guys, because, again, we could spend the entire show just talking quarterbacks. You know, offensively, again, you can't run the football. I thought Zagandre White did some nice things for you. Averaged 5.4 yards per carry. Uh, Jaheim Bell, really, guys. I mean, what a freak. What a man-child. Uh, the play he had early on, you know, you really got the tight ends involved with Bell, Nick Muse, both had touchdowns. Of course, it was great to see Xavier Leggett make a play for you uh, on the game-winning touchdown catch. And then your defense, ho-hum, just continues to week after week after week give you a chance and keep you in the football game. And especially what they did late in that football game. Now, 
There's certainly still problems, still issues with that secondary. We saw it rear its ugly head early in that football game, especially on Saturday. But top to bottom, your, your defense is doing their job. Also, by the way, quick shout out to Kai Kroger. Four punts for a 56.8-yard average. 70 yards being his long, and three of his punts were downed inside of the 20-yard line. So, again, we want to show love to our special teams guys as well. But, again, the bottom line is this here on a Monday, and, again, we'll dissect this thing. We'll break it all down. I know you guys are going to have so many questions all throughout the week, but you found a way to get the job done. Like I said, this is not the show for you if you are looking for someone to tell you, fire Marcus Satterfield, fire Greg Atkins, and, and, and throw up tantrum, especially on a Monday after a win, after a win. That's the bottom line. You won the football game. And poor Vandy fans, by the way, who, again, we talked about the streak. You've now won 13 straight games against Vanderbilt. They just, no matter what, it's like the Gamecocks just cannot lose to Vandy. The Gamecocks cannot lose to Vandy. But again, guys, South Carolina should have beaten Vanderbilt by more than a point. And I'll tell you this, it feels like the, 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 the mood for me, it feels like the Gamecocks cheated death. It feels like we cheated death to an extent. Uh, because sitting there late in the fourth quarter, and yours truly, by the way, did not leave the game early. I was there until the last second ticked off, saw the game-winning touchdown in person, and kudos and shout-out to those Gamecock fans that did not leave early. And again, I, I will never tell someone, hey, you paid for your ticket, you can do whatever you want. I, you want to leave early? Fine. But I think that game on Saturday night is just more proof of why you don't leave a game early. But there isn't just one issue with this team, guys. It, it's, just not one, it's not just one thing. This is just a bad football team. And I will tell you all this. I do agree with a lot of you. One of the most disappointing things this season is, you know, the defense is doing their thing. But have we really seen this football team get better and progress week one to week seven. It's hard after a one-point Vandy win. It's hard after a one-point win over Vandy, I should say. It's hard to say yes very confidently. So the coaching was porous. The play was porous. Again, it's a football team. I don't understand. I don't know if we just can't handle prosperity. I don't know what it is. We can't get out of our own way. We have to make it so hard on ourselves constantly. Constantly. And for those going at Beamer, which there are not many, because, I, I, again, I cannot say I'm totally shocked at this. It is a first-year staff with a coach who had never been a head coach before, right? Very much a roller coaster ride type of situation. Shane Beamer learning as he goes. Is, is Shane Beamer a great head football coach right now? No, he is not. No, he is not. And so you've sort of got to deal with the growing pains all across the board. All across the board. Not just with your players, because we know the, the realities of the roster, but the coaching staff as well. Again, there's a lot of miscommunication. There's a lot of discombobulation, I think, is probably the best way to describe this football team as a whole. Can it be salvaged? Can it be salvaged? What is the disconnect? Is it simply just coaching? Guys, I, I don't know. 
I don't know if it is. Is it as simple as, oh, if you, if you fire this guy, things will all of a sudden automatically improve? I don't know. I, I can't say that with any certainty. But you hired this guy, Shane Beamer. You, 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 you trusted him. You believed in him. Even though he had no, you knew what the challenge was with this guy. He had no head coaching experience. So it was a complete blank slate. And it's a situation where he's learning as he goes. And you just knew, at least I knew, it was going to be a wacky season with some wacky results and things that just flat out didn't make any sense. And needing a game-winning touchdown drive to beat Vandy doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense. But the bottom line is you got the dub. You did get the dub. And you're sitting at four and three. Now, again, is that the last football game you'll win of the 2021 season? I don't know. College football is crazy, right? Anything can happen. All of a sudden, this team could go out and play up to its competition. And who knows what might happen? But some things have got to be addressed in the offensive room. There's no question. I, I, I just, it, it's hard for me, guys, to really sit here and wrap my, wrap my brain around it. It is. It is. It's hard to wrap my brain around it. And is it salvageable? And what type of change will it take to salvage it? And when I say salvage, by the way, again, guys, you could not win another game the rest of the season. And and I'm not going to sit here and tell you, oh, year one was a complete disaster. Year one was a failure. Because it's year one. It's year one. Year one's about laying the foundation, establishing the culture, which – I think they've done that, honestly. Like, the energy with this group does not change. And I'll be honest with you, at times, it's corny. At times, it's cringy. And I see many of you complaining about it on social media. But at the same time, you have to respect it. You have to respect it. As they continue to, they're not just saying things, this coaching staff. They are living them out. They are putting the actions out on full display. So I I truly commend this group for keeping the same energy through the ups, through the downs, and the in-betweens. But in the scope of this season, and what you need to do to make something out of these last five games and not get beat five in a row, there's got to be a shakeup somewhere. Again, I don't know if that's a quarterback. I don't know if that's a play calling. I don't know if that's it. I don't know where that's at. I don't know where that's at. Who are the leaders on this football team? Who are the leaders? especially on the offensive side. Who are the leaders that are going to stop the bleeding? Who are the leaders that are going to step up and say, hey, we're not doing this shit anymore? Is that guy Luke Doty? Is it Zeb Nolan, God forbid? Where's like a Nick Muse at? Where's he at? Does it have to be a Jaheim Bell? God forbid, where the hell's Kevin Harris at? How about some of your veteran offensive linemen? Because again, it ain't just coaching, guys. Personnel, execution, God execution. Communication, simple things. This team just cannot get out of its own way. Shooting itself in the foot constantly. Had a couple of drives, just stalled because of dumb stuff. Fumbles, penalties, you name it. A group that cannot handle prosperity. 
But again, I say all that and also saying you got the W. Bottom line, you got the W. And you sit here now on a Monday, four and three. And on to Texas A&M, we go. All right, guys, this is my biggest takeaway from Saturday. <laughs> Again, lots of takeaways. My biggest takeaway, though, is this. Again, the defense did exactly what I expected. Offensively, though, the thing that stood out to me, my biggest takeaway, Jaheim Bell, he needs to be touching the football a lot more. This dude is a freak. This dude is a physical specimen. That catch and run and stiff arm, get off me, child's play, touchdown he had, that was a thing of beauty. So I know Sat talked about it going into this game last week. Whatever you've got to do, whatever type of creative things, Jaheim Bell is your best offensive player, and it ain't even close. It ain't even close, folks. Get the ball in number zero's hands. Force it to him. Find a way to get it to him. Because all I know is this, it feels like every time he touches it, good things happen. Every single time. So again, my biggest takeaway, Jaheim Bell needs to touch the football. A lot more. A lot more. Get the ball in his hands. Bottom line. All right, guys, let's hand out some TSUS game ball. Speaking of Jaheim Bell, first game ball has got to go to Jaheim, man. His statistics on Saturday, six catches for 136 yards and a touchdown. Get this, guys. 116 of those 136 yards were yards after the catch. So making things happen once the ball gets in his hands. What a performance from Jaheim Bell. And again, hopefully we see more of that in the very near future. Uh, my next game ball. And this is a guy who has battled adversity, has been someone we've questioned, will he ever, will he ever really make a real contribution? Will he ever be a guy that we can really depend on week after week after week as someone that could be a playmaker in this offense? And so it was great to see him break out and make a big play for you. Of course, I'm talking about wide receiver Xavier Leggett. Four catches for 31 yards. And, of course, the big one in the back of the end zone at the end of the game, the game winner, Xavier Leggett, big-time play. And maybe, just maybe, that could spark him and he could be, become much more involved in your offensive game plan and truly be a playmaker for you. My final game ball, guys. Going to go to a dude that we've sort of been waiting for him to break out. Of course, got buried, I think, a little bit on the depth chart because of the depth of this position. But defensive lineman Jordan Strawn, while he did not record a tackle in the game, the big interception, he had really his first big play as a Gamecock. So, again, congratulations, Jordan Strawn, on that interception. And certainly, that was a big play in the game. All right, let's move to my slap dig of the weekend, guys. Slap dig of the weekend. And, again, I told you, I don't really want to give these people too much attention, but you know what? I just could not help myself with this one. Uh, our slap dig of the weekend resides on Twitter. And normally I would not give attention to these because most of the time when people tweet stuff like this, they have like five followers, seven followers, some egghead profile picture. It's like who cares, right? Some, some troll account. This person has a little bit over 4,000 followers, so does have some reach in the Gamecock community. So my slap dig of the weekend, guys, and it's not even close, at Hell Roosters on Twitter for tweeting this. Fire Ray Tanner and fire Shane Beamer. Get a new AD and hire Ed Orgeron. Really? Really? So, 
Congratulations, Hell Roosters. You played yourself. You played yourself. Slap big of the weekend at Hell Roosters on Twitter for that absurdity, for that, that true absurdity that we saw in the timeline. Um, all right, guys, finally, my cock of the walk award. And this one should come as no surprise. Just an old man doing some good things. What a legend. The, the wake me up when September ends. It's Zebtober. Uh, the, the legend continues. I mean, just an incredible display of heroics on that final drive. Um, Zeb Nolan looking as crisp and as comfortable at the quarterback position as we've seen anyone all season long. The cock of the walk award goes to Zeb Nolan for his late game heroics. Again, five for eight on that final drive, 75 yards. And of course, the game winning touchdown. What a story. What a story it is with Zeb Nolan and everything he's been through and done and you know, really just hanging up the cleats and coming here as an assistant and then taking over the job and then getting hurt and then coming back. It, it's, it's just stuff a legend. So, again, will we see more of Zeb Nolan? Will he get the start against Texas A&M? I don't know. We'll see. But uh, absolutely love to see it, man. Incredible stuff. So, again, Zeb Nolan, the cock of the walk this weekend. Again, guys, that's going to do it for my, my breakdown of Vanderbilt. Like I said, I, I know we're not done talking about this game. We're going to talk about it all week long. But – this is an imperfect football team. It's a flawed football team, top to bottom, by the way, top to bottom, from coaching to personnel to execution to everything, to everything. I mean, this, this is truly, like I told you guys, after Tennessee, you are what you are. You are who you are, which is a, an imperfect roster led by a bunch of first-year coaches. That's just what you are. Again, does that not mean you shouldn't beat Vanderbilt by more than a point? It shouldn't have taken Zeb Nolan's heroics. Delete that. It shouldn't have taken Zeb Nolan's heroics to get the job done. You got issues. You've got problems. You got things you got to fix. You got to figure them out. What type of shakeup is needed? What type of shakeup is needed? How can you rally the troops almost essentially? And hey, at least there's this. Thank goodness you're doing that coming off of a victory. Because if it were not for Zeb Nolan, I mean, this would have been a truly embarrassing loss. I mean, there's just no other way to put it. As much as it stings and it sucks today, talking about this game and how it went, folks, can you even fathom if we were sitting here on a Monday talking about a 20-14 to 14 Vanderbilt win over South Carolina? So I, that's the perspective I'm keeping. I truly woke up Sunday just grateful just grateful beyond all get out that, hey, the Gamecocks somehow, some way are four and three right now. Thank goodness. Thank goodness. God smiled on the Gamecocks on Saturday night. Thank goodness. Uh, all right, guys, let's move into news and notes and we'll get your listener questions because we have a ton of them. Uh, quick note, Gamecocks open as a 19-point underdog at Texas A&M, the over-under set at 45 in that ball game. Uh, 19's about what I expect. I thought 19 or 20. I, I think that's, you know, I think that's very fair, uh, you know, especially after how you played. And we'll talk about it more on Wednesday, of course, when we do our best bet and, you know, everything else, SEC gambling picks. But I, I think 19's about pretty accurate for the type of team that Texas A&M is, the type of team you are. And, of course, you got to go to College Station and play at a place that's truly been a house of horrors for you. And, again, just playing Texas A&M has never gone well for you. Obviously, never beat them before. So, uh, you know, we'll be interesting to see what the, the movement on that line is this week. But I think opening up at 19, I think that's a pretty fair opening number for that game. 
against Texas A&M. All right, let's get into your listener questions and your voicemails as well. We'll start with the voicemails. And we've got some very interesting voicemails. That's for sure. So let's go ahead and dive into this thing. What's up, Chris? Huge fan of the show. Just wanted to say, based on this game, we should not be, we should not take this as like a good thing. Um, the win's a win. That's obviously a good thing. We should be happy with a win. But as far as the performance of the team, it's sad that it took all of that just to beat Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt barely beat UConn, one of the worst teams in the nation. So it was very sad. It was a pathetic performance to put up for our fans at, um, in our home crowd, in our home stadium. It was sad. But let's be happy with the win. Let's be glad if anything's better than a loss in that scenario. But at least we got the win. Um, we got to get better straight up. Uh, I don't know if this staff has all the pieces we need to truly be successful in the future. I still believe in Beamer. I believe he'll get the, the, I believe he'll get the staff right eventually, if, even if it's not the staff we currently have. I love his passion. I believe sometimes it can be like optimistic to the point where it's like annoying, but I believe he's a good coach. He's a good man. And I believe he'll get the program where we need to go and um, go Cox. And um, thanks for taking um, the voicemail. Yeah, man, I appreciate the call. Thank you so much. I, I would say this. You can sit here on a Monday and be grateful and thankful that South kind of won the football game and, and uh, count your blessings, really, that you're four and three. You can do that and also be disappointed and frustrated and upset with the way this football team played because yours truly feels that exact same way. Uh, there's no excuse for what happened on Saturday. There's, there is no excuse. And, again, I, I've talked a lot about this roster. I've talked a lot about this roster and its shortcomings and what it's got to fix. And you're undermanned here. You're undermanned. But, dude, there, there ain't no reason for, for what we saw on Saturday. There ain't no reason. Again, it wasn't a well-coached game. It wasn't a well-coached If I had to grade the coaching, I'd probably grade it a D. It wasn't a well-coached game. Bottom line. Wasn't a well-played game, but it wasn't a well-coached game either. So everybody, like you said, everybody, including Shane Beamer himself, have to get better. They just have to. Bottom line, again, do you get better by making some abrupt emotional decision midseason and firing someone? I don't think so, guys. And again, that's not the energy you're going to get from yours truly. I see some other uh, fairly notoriable, yeah, no, like notable, I should say, notoriable. Is that a word? I don't know. Notable accounts out there that are fairly popular in the Gamecock community saying, you know, Marcus Satterfield's the worst OC in college football. You got to fire this guy. You got to fire that guy. Again, what do you accomplish firing someone after the seventh week of the season? If you want to make a change at the end of the year, so be it. So be it. But you don't solve anything doing that. Now, again, back to your point, I agree with you. Be grateful for the win, but you can be, you, I mean, I, I believe you can certainly be grateful for the win, but also be very frustrated and upset and disappointed and demand more out of this football team. But like you said, you got the win. You're four and three. Anything is better than a loss in that situation. You hit the nail on the head with that comment. So, again, thank you for the voicemail. Appreciate the thoughts. Let's get into our next voicemail here. Chris, it's John. Never a doubt, baby. From start to finish, never a doubt. I got one thing to say. Put a statue of Ben Holland outside Williams Price, and I promise you I will pay money towards that. Go Cox, never a doubt. Go Cox. My guy, John. Appreciate you, John. Thank you so much. Never a doubt, baby. Never a doubt. Never a doubt. All right, here we go. Chris, uh, yeah, that's, uh, yeah. What, a, what an interesting game. But at the end of the day, wins a win. That's what you take away from this. You know, a win's a win. Wasn't 
wasn't it damn sure wasn't pretty. It 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 was downright frustrating. It was bizarre. It was my God, all kinds of what in the world is happening moments. But win the win. You're four and three. Spend all week dissecting what happened, why it happened, what needs to happen, this, that, and the other. But like you said, my friend, South Carolina's Forrester, they won the game. Hats off to Deb Nolan coming in off the bench and leading us right down the field. Deb's the man, but like I said, win's a win. Go cop. Appreciate that, Tim. Always a pleasure for you to call in. Uh, yeah, Zeb Nolan's the man. We are four and three. <laughs> Again, talking about this game, I know I've been rambling on for a while, but it, it's like, where do you even begin? You know, because there's just so many problems, so many areas that have to be fixed. I, almost beyond words, man. Like, what, what, what the, the, the events that transpired Saturday night, it's, it's almost hard to fathom, almost hard to believe. Um, all right, here we go. We got a really interesting voicemail here. Cannot wait to play this one for you. I dare you to air this one because, dude, you were wrong. I don't care what you got to say. The coaching staff, there's so many problems. This, that, and Dodie was horrible. You were the one screaming, wake me up when Zip Tim wins. You are horribly wrong. You, you were just wrong. Dodie, not athletic. He doesn't run out of the pocket. He continuously takes sacks. He stands back there like a statue. He turns the ball over consistently. He overthrows literally everybody. Man, Zeb had been sure been starting this entire time. He was 2-0 and and then got hurt at the beginning of the game in Georgia. We should be 6-1 and right now. Like, I'm not saying Zeb is a miracle Heisman candidate, but he is so much better than Dodie. You were wrong. Please admit you were wrong. This is Brad Kane. You were wrong. Brad Kane, you got to love the passion here on Monday. I appreciate the call, Brad. You know, you really were making some good points until you threw out the six and one thing with Zeb Nolan. Stop it. Just, just stop it. Because that, that is lunacy talk, my friend. They should throw you in the loony bin for suggesting that this Gamecocks team would be six and one with anyone on the roster under center, especially Zeb Nolan. So, and it's funny, I, I was wrong on Luke Doty. I, I did not say that Luke Doty was a Heisman contender, an all-conference type of player. And again, one game, he played horribly. He played miserably. He had some crushing turnovers, which he hadn't turned the ball over. I know you mentioned that he, he's a turnover machine. He hadn't turned the ball over going into this game, really. So he played, I would say, probably his worst game as a Gamecock, most certainly was missing guys left and right, overthrowing guys, sailing balls all over the place, was only sacked one time, by the way. And the athleticism thing, I mean, did he did he or did he not run a 4-4 last year? I, I'm just going off of what the coaches say. That's it. So you had great points, Brad Kane, but you throw off the 6-1 and one comment, your call just lost all legitimacy. So, I, again, I, I don't know what you want me to – what was I wrong on that – Luke Doty's still the best option for this football team. I, you know, I, I'm just not going to allow one drive by Zeb Noland to also make me forget that he wasn't very good against East Carolina, right? 
And Brad, I don't care who the starting quarterback is. I just want to win. If Shane Beamer says it's Zeb Nolan, then cool. Let's rock with Zeb. But that ain't what Shane Beamer said since he got the job. There's a reason Luke Doty was named QB1. Do you trust Shane Beamer or do you not, Brad? Do you trust Shane Beamer or do you not? That's why I've been backing Luke Doty. That's one of the biggest reasons, if not the biggest, I've been backing Luke Doty. Because, hey, Shane Beamer believes in this guy, and I think Shane Beamer knows pretty good quarterback play. He certainly was around in Oklahoma. Shane Beamer says this guy is the best option for the football team. I'm going to rock with that, man. So, again, I, I don't know exactly what you want me to admit I was wrong about, um, other than maybe I, you know, I, I, maybe I said last week that I thought Luke Doty would play well against Vandy, but at no point this season did I expect Luke Doty to go out there and win the Heisman and throw for 400 yards and five or six touchdowns. Again, Zeb Nolan heroics, incredible. Love it. We had to have it. Great stuff. Moving forward, I mean, is Zeb Nolan the guy – Play the guy that gives you the best chance to win. I, I don't know why people hate this guy so much. They, they hate Luke Doty so much. And again, I'm not trying to be a Luke Doty jock rider, but yeah, I think if he's 110% healthy and he has his athleticism and legs under him, then he is the best option. Still, again, let's not forget how much Zeb Noland struggled early in the season against an East Carolina. But hey, there's a sick part of me that hopes Zeb Nolan gets to start at College Station. I hope he does. Because I would love to see, hey, okay, Zeb, what do you look like in a game like this? This ain't Vandy the final drive where they're playing off and they're playing prevent defense. We're playing Texas A&M at their place. I'd love to see what Zeb Nolan gives you. I'd love to see it. And hey, play them both. To hell with it. Let them have an open competition in game. Because you probably ain't beating Texas A&M either way. But Brad Kane, you should know better than to call into this show and tell me, dare me to do anything. My friend, pipe down, pipe down. And the six and one comment, the six and one, again, your, your voicemail loses all legitimacy because of that. There ain't nobody with half a brain that thinks this football team will be six and one with Zeb Nolan starting at quarterback all season. Nobody with a brain thinks that. Nobody. So, hey, glad we won the football game. Glad Zeb Nolan came in and showed off the heroics. But was I wrong? I mean, is, is one game, let me ask you this, is, is one game going to define Luke Doty's career? One game. I'm not saying he's been perfect to this point. I'm not saying there haven't been, you know, areas where, you know, he was above criticism, certainly hadn't been perfect. But no, if Zeb Nolan had played this entire season, South Carolina's probably still four and three. Uh, Zeb Nolan's far from a perfect option either. And again, he looked really good Saturday night, but I think fans, some fans at least, are allowing that one drive to cloud their judgment and think to themselves that, oh my God, Zeb Nolan is just his head and shoulders, all SEC quarterback. He's, he's so much better than everybody in the roster. It's like, maybe he is the best option, but, you know, there's a reason the guy hung up the cleats and came to South Carolina to be a coach. That's all I'm saying. So again, Brad, I appreciate the voicemail and I appreciate the call. Don't dare me to play your shitty voicemail. But I do love the banter, Brad. I appreciate it. That's all love. I, I think Brad certainly calls in and comments on the Daily Crow. So Brad, I hope you call in this weekend. Would love to continue the banter because I'd almost love to hear you expand on where I was wrong further because like I said, 
where was I? Like, I, I, again, I, I want further explanation. I didn't tell you guys Luke Doty was the answer forever. I didn't tell you that Luke Doty was going to, you know, be the next Heisman Trophy winner at South Carolina. I just told you he was the best option for this football team, and he was far from the only reason the Gamecocks were struggling offensively. And I'll still stand by that here on a Monday. I'll still stand by that. So, hey, after Zeb Nolan's heroics, is he the better option? I already told you guys earlier. If Luke Doty's not 100%, he should not be playing, in my mind. He should not be playing. He should not. Because what we've seen to this point is that a 90% Luke Doty is obviously not better than a 100% Zeb Nolan. So, going to be interesting to see how Shane Beamer handles this. I'll be very intrigued to see how Coach Beamer handles this. And I'll tell you this, guys. Again, like I told you, I don't care who the starting quarterback is. Just go win. Put this team in the best possible position to win. Whether that's with Luke, whether that's with Zeb. Hey, whether that's with Jason Brown or Colton Gothier. Whoever Beamer's rolling with and says he's our guy, I'm going to say he's our guy. So, Brad, I dare you to listen through to the entire rebuttal from your voicemail. And I also dare you to call on the Daily Crow this week, and we'll continue to banter about it because the beauty is in the banter. I appreciate it, my friend. All right, move to the next voicemail here. What's going on, C. Philly? Chris here calling on the way home from the game, heading on back to North Augusta, South Carolina. But, uh, man, I just want to ask you, what do you think about uh, our offensive performance? I know that's a very vague question, and it's probably something you've already covered on the show, but just as a unit, where, where do you think we need to show the most signs of improvement, whether it be play calling, actual performance on the field, quarterback play, running back play, offensive line play, hit, hit. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, man, thanks for all you do, and uh, look forward to hearing your answer. Go Cox. Hey, man, I appreciate you. Hey, shout out North Augusta, by the way, my friend. I appreciate you. Uh, the offensive performance, you know, I, I don't know what happened after the first quarter. I thought it looked really good early on, but, uh, yeah, man, just a lot of, lot of mental errors, discombobulation, confusion. Luke Doty didn't play good enough, did not have a great game, obviously. Uh, I mean, you turn the football over four times. That can't happen. You know, I talked about going into Saturdays, like, you know, I, I was hoping for a boring game and just a fundamentally sound football game. You didn't get that. You didn't get that at all. Um, so I don't know, man. I, I don't know if there's really even hope for this offense. I think it might just be a bad offensive year for you. I, I don't know. I don't know. Because the defenses you're playing, they're only going to get better. They're only going to get better. The teams you're playing, they're only, they're only getting better as you go throughout the season. So, um, yeah, it's just not good enough. It's just not good enough, bottom line. And and I, I don't know what, what has to change. Like I said earlier, I, I don't know. Does, does, does some, you know, uh, major change have to happen to get this thing fixed? Is it something as simple as making a tweak here and there? I guess we'll find out as we continue to go. All right, we got one more voicemail, and we'll get to your questions, and we'll dive into our interview. Hey, what's going on? Wacko Zacko here. Uh, just want to call in and say a win's a win. Not pretty, but we got to what exactly what Vegas thought we could do, uh, three or four wins, so we got there. So that's something to, to hang our hat on. We've got a lot of work to, to do in the uh, rest of the season and keep moving forward. But uh, I'd like to see the knee-jerk reaction stop. Yes, Zeb deserves to be honored and praised for what he did for us yesterday. That was a heck of a win, and I, I love him for it. But Luke Doty still gives us the best chance to win as long as he's healthy. And I think we saw that uh, based on – the way Zeb played against uh, EIU and ECU earlier in the year. And 
I just hate seeing the Twitter reactions because he had one good drive and saved us the game. Doty has one bad game. All of a sudden, Doty deserves to be demoted. Thanks. Love the show. Wacko Zacko, great call and a great voicemail. It's kind of funny. You have that voicemail and then you have Brad Kane. How, how, how contrasting those two voicemails are. I mean, again, I, I agree with you, Wacko Zacko. Like, like I said, if Beamer, you know, if he goes out, you know, or moves forward to this week and says, you know what, Zeb Nolan's the best option, um, and then so be it. You know what I mean? But I'm not going to allow one bad game from Luke Doty and one great drive from Zeb Nolan. I'm not going to, to make a an emotional reaction to that and draw conclusions off of that very very small sample size um i understand it's it's instant gratification people want the answers now they want to draw conclusions now i totally get it and again wacko zacko if you're looking for rational takes twitter's probably not the place to go again i just want to win football games play the guy that gives you the best opportunity to do that so hey if, if you want to determine right now you know what we understand we can't run the football so we're going to have to throw it. So let's put the guy out there who can throw it and gives us the best opportunity in the passing game. If you want to determine that is Zeb Nolan, and especially like you mentioned, if Luke Doty is not 100%, that would be my biggest thing. Is like, why have you continued to play Luke Doty if he is like a shell of himself, if he can't be that mobile threat? Because he does not look like himself running the football. He does not look like this guy that we heard about so much who you know is agile and 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 can get outside the pocket and runs a 4-4. We haven't seen that guy. We haven't seen that guy. So either that guy needs to be the one that's playing, or it needs to be Zeb Nolan, bottom line. So Wacko Zacko, great call, my friend, and I appreciate the voicemail. All right, let's get into your questions now. Uh, Ashley Powell underscore three says, bowl game. I, I think right now, gun to head, it's pretty safe to say the Gamecocks are not going to a bowl game. It, it's possible. Uh, you got to go two and three in your last five. You know, maybe you beat a Mizzou. Hey, maybe you beat a Clemson. Who knows? Clemson looks absolutely terrible right now. But uh, I don't know, man. It, it's tough to come out off of that performance against Vandy and say the Gamecocks are, are bowl-bound for sure. That, that's, that's, I think that's a little aggressive, no doubt. Um, Matty last five, two, three. How do we get the guys to stop doing stupid stuff? That is the million-dollar question. If you have the answer, please call Shane Beamer uh, and inform him so we can stop that madness. Uh, let's see, Krusty Andy says, Zeb for QB1. I hear you. I hear Listen, and I'll tell you this. I, I would not, if you want to argue that Zeb should get the opportunity after what he did that last draft, fine. That, so be it. Again, I'm going to trust and roll with whatever Shane Beamer says. So if he says Zeb's the guy, cool. Zeb is the guy. If he says, hey, appreciate Zeb, Luke Doty's the guy, then Luke Doty. If he wants to play them both, that's cool with me too. Let's just go win football games. Do something to give this offense life. Do something. Uh, Andrew, the textbook says it's time to stop defending Satterfield. Yeah, he had a bad game. The entire coaching staff did. The entire football team did. Everyone had a shitty game. And has Satterfield had a good season? No, he has not. I thought I saw some things early in the football game, though, that the play calling was good, the rhythm was there, the tempo was there. I just don't understand what happened from that point. I don't get what happened after that first quarter. Uh, seven DJP seven. That was almost it for me. I'm tired of hearing excuses about our team year after year. Well, it is year one. It is year one. That's all I'm going to say. Uh, Austin G45 sat wasn't perfect. Yes. But can we admit that some of this is flat out on player mistakes? Yeah. Yeah. Execution and personnel is a huge reason why your football team is struggling. Absolutely. Cobreeze843 says Jason Brown should have gotten a shot. What a slap in the face. 
Um, this is big time SEC football, and this is not Pee Wee, and you don't just play guys to play them. So they're going to play the guys they feel give them the best, you know, best chance to win. And if Jason Brown hasn't done enough in practice to earn those reps and earn that opportunity, then they're not going to put him out there. Bottom line. So it ain't a slap in the face. It's just the reality. Let's see. Spurs up sneakers has loved the fight in this team. We would have been blown out if it wasn't for the defense. Yeah, shout out to the, the defense, man. Of course, we're we're spending the entire season talking about the woes of this team offensively, but this defense, tip your cat to them, man. They continue to give you an opportunity and keep you in the football game. So big ups to Clayton White and his group. Um, let's see. Lou Kane's Doty is way better than Zeb and has a ton of potential. Hmm. Okay. Emory Moore Jr. in year one of Shane Beamer. We have as many wins as Clemson seven weeks in. Perspective, my friend. I love that perspective. Uh, Sladen Jack, Zeb Nolan needs to be the starting quarterback. Jarrock did this beat, says Zeb QB1. WM4IV says Zeb is the guy. So a lot of love for Zeb in the questions. Obviously, no surprise. Uh, Jay Painter, 71. Harris averaged 5.8 yards parry. Why did he touch it six times? I, I don't know. That's a great question, especially with Juju McDowell being out. I don't know. I don't know. Ecarch08 was something mentally off with Doty during the second half. It looked to me like everything was off. Everything was off with these guys. I, I, hard to explain, man. Hard to explain. Uh, Cassidy Ailes says, why doesn't Beamer work the refs more, especially at home? Or am I missing something? Uh, I, 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 that's a great question. I, I don't really know. <laughs> I don't know what he could do to work the refs, but I don't know why he doesn't. Last question, Weston Corbett. Zeb looked really good because of the defense. Vandy was running late in, late in game. I don't know if he is QB1. Hey, again, you got to trust your head coach. You got to trust Shane Beamer. So, again, if he comes out this week, if he comes out tomorrow in his presser and says, Luke Doty is our quarterback, I know there's going to be a reaction from people. I know there is. But, again, I would pose this simple question to you. Do you trust Shane Beamer or do you not? Do you trust Shane Beamer or do you not? And I'll leave you with that. All right, guys, appreciate the questions, appreciate the voicemails. Thank you all so much. Again, what a show today. Um, not necessarily a therapy Monday, but it sort of had that vibe and feeling to it. I guess a one-point win over Vanderbilt will do that. But you know what? The Gamecocks are 4-3 and three and have their first SEC win of the 2021 football season. Perspective, folks. Keep things in perspective. It could be worse. Uh, all right, guys, don't go anywhere. We've got a great conversation, great throwback interview with former Gamecocks running back Ryan Brewer, all the way from June of 2019, guys. A legendary conversation that I know you are sure to enjoy. So, again, guys, thank you all so much for tuning in. Great stuff here on Monday, guys. Like I told you, thank you all so much to those who show love in person, you know, at the tailgates or in the stadium and, and take a second to, to shake my hand and show love and support for the business and the content, everything we do, man. It means the absolute world. So, thank you to you guys, man, for real. I, I want to make sure I express that. And I'm so extremely grateful and thankful for. Um, all the love you guys show and the support again without you guys TSUS would be nothing so again thank you all so much again guys appreciate you all tuning in have a great rest of your Monday and enjoy this conversation with former Gamecocks running back Ryan Brewer all right joining us on today's show is a man that played for Gamecocks football from 1999 to 2002 he amassed 1691 all-purpose yards and 10 total touchdowns over his South Carolina career, he's also most well-known for the Outback Bowl in 2001, in which he was named the MVP, had over 200 all-purpose yards and three touchdowns in South Carolina's 24-7 to win over Ohio State. I'm very, very pleased to welcome to the show former Gamecocks running back Ryan Brewer. Ryan, appreciate you taking the time, man. It's a pleasure to have you on. Yeah, it's a pleasure to be on. I'm excited to do this and excited for uh, 
this upcoming season. And it's just it's fun to reminisce coming back and listen to all the stories you're telling. It's it's been uh, it's been fun. No doubt. Now, yeah, for sure. So let's go back to the beginning for you, Ryan, because one thing I didn't mention that you accomplished during your football career, you were 1998 Ohio's Mr. Football, which obviously, as we know, with South Carolina getting these past recruits past couple of years with being Mr. Football in the state of South Carolina, I feel like being Mr. Football in your home state is a, a big accomplishment, a big award. Just talk about why South Carolina for you. I know the stuff with the, uh, the hometown school, Ohio State, we're going to get to in just a little bit, but why South Carolina for you? What was the recruiting process like and why did you choose to uh, – to become a Gamecock. Yeah, my, my recruiting process is probably a little bit different, uh, especially nowadays with uh, how it's happened with social media and all that. But just the, like you said, being named Mr. Football in 1998, and I was actually named Mr. Football of the decade of the 90s, but yet still didn't get a lot of offers uh, as a running back. At some schools, Michigan only played DB. Uh, Louisville wanted me to, you know, they only play a little slot receiver, running back, and a little bit of defense. Um, but it was, it was hit and miss with the bigger schools. All the max schools were coming, but I never got the uh, the big schools coming at you know, at me. But uh, it was kind of crazy. I was a Notre Dame fan, and Urban Meyer was recruiting me there at the time before he went to Bowling Green. And uh, it was it it was just a kind of whirlwind. He got changed over as a head coach there, and just I had no idea where I was going to go. And that's when Coach Holst accepted the job here in South Carolina, and it just um, through letters and through uh, people reaching out, finally Skip came uh, to my hometown in a, in a blizzard, and uh, we just it hit it off great. And it was just one of those things. I was ready to commit right when Coach Holt, you know stepped on South Carolina, not even knowing a lot about um, you know the university itself. But it was just a whirlwind. It was a crazy situation for for myself, and my family, not knowing what we we're going to do, um, going to play. Unlike you see now, these guys, I feel like they get to all the show, shows they can put on with the hats and the, and the Twitters and the uh, just the big time recruits that they have there. It's, it's been, it's kind of, it's fun to watch at the same time. It's like, man, you know, I didn't get to do that in my, back in my day. No doubt. Yeah. I'm very interested, Ryan, to hear kind of your, your overall perception, I guess, of the South Carolina football program when you got recruited, because you came in at a very interesting time. Like you said, Lou Holtz had just taken over South Carolina. I mean, the, Let's be honest, the 90s was sort of a rough decade for South Carolina, especially 1998, 1999, when South Carolina went 1-21, 0-11 in 99. We all know about the losing streak. I mean, just did, did you – were you very familiar with that at all? I mean, again, I know being up in Ohio, you mentioned you really didn't know much about Gamecock football. But, I mean, what was your perception overall of South Carolina? That's the funny thing about it. The, the perception for me, it, it, wasn't, it wasn't anything about – I knew that Coach Holtz was coming here. And it was just looking to the future. The past is done. And that's, you know, kind of how I live my life. The past is over with. So it's time to build on the future. And what they, what they sold was, you know, what you can become and what you, what you can bring to this program. It, it still had the fan base that's unreal. You know, and I was part of that 0-11 season. And it was packed out there. And we had some super loyal fans, and we still do. Um, but just, just going through with all the rigors with us. But just recruiting-wise, and players that came, you know, Andrew Pennant came from Connecticut, and you had Derek as well. So we had three Mr. Footballs just in the running back coming in. It was just exciting to know that this freshman class was building something quickly, something special, because Coach had to do it, you know, super fast when he came in. Uh, it's not a lot of time. And we had a lot of talent that I didn't know at the time, um, you know, on, on the field already or as our sophomore class uh, with Petty and, and Sheldon Brown and Goodman and all those. Our defense has always been spectacular here. So – it was just uh, it was just something to build on, and just that's how they sold it. You're going to be something special. We're going to build on it. Um, didn't really pan out that first year being 0-11, but we also knew 
you know, where we came from and how hard we worked. That 0-11, we were never that far off when this ball games. No doubt. So, Ryan, talk about playing. You've mentioned a couple times Lou Holtz, uh, your former head coach. Obviously, I know you got recruited mainly by Skip, but just talk about what it was like being a player under Lou Holtz, what it was like be, uh, being a running back in his offense. Uh, you know, it's, it's, uh, it, it was kind of hit and miss with me with the running back spot. Uh, starting early on, I got a lot of, uh, lot of play there at running back. We also – it was loaded with uh, Derek Watson being there, Pinnock being there as a running back slash fullback. Um, so I, I just do what I had to do to get on that football field. So if I had to be slot receiver, punt returner, kick returner, heck, if I had to kick, whatever I wanted, you know, had to do, I was going to try to get on that field. So, um, but that was the, the beauty of it. Coach Holtz was, was open-minded to a lot of that. And he was, he was a good teacher um, as a coach wise, a lot of guys, you know, as a father figure type guy, but he, he was a, he was a motivator to an extent to different to every player. Um, he knew how to push your buttons, good or bad. And sometimes, you know, some of you know, myself, he would, you know, he jumped me a couple times in situations that got, you know, got me fired up enough to, to show that, hey, I don't need to be jumped. I can do this on my own. But he's, he was just a guy that taught us a lot of life, life lessons. Um, a lot of these guys, you know, that are coaching now, they still hold true to, you know, a lot of his sayings and his speeches and his um, acronyms that he puts out there. Um, you know, even like Langston Moore, with the, he has in there the, what's important now. They do the win. And, you know, there's a lot of take that on and I myself do as well you know so you know, I want to jump to like I said I've had some of your former teammates on here obviously Phil Petty Eric Kimry they talk about Lou Holtz kind of his coaching style and obviously we know he can be a very a very tough hard-nosed coach did you ever have any experiences with coach that uh I mean I, I gotta imagine especially again being just playing under him has got to be a uh, it's gotta be an interesting experience it sounds like it's uh you know it, it's not for everybody for sure it's not. You have to have uh, thick skin. Um, it, truthfully, I said he's a little different with every person out there. I've had, I've had my run-ins and mostly you know, good when he you know, things he's done and pushes me uh, as a, as a player, as a person, uh, just from things out there and it, just him and the in the coaches I've had with Coach Fabris and making sure I was out there in the dark trying to catch a hundred punts in a row before we had lights and the punter's legs wearing off. You know the things I had to do that just made me a better player on the field, but. Uh, you know, coach was a guy that, like I said, master motivator, however it is. But I've had him uh, uh, from, quite frankly, cussing me out of my mom's answer machine to, you know, grabbing a face mask and, and making sure that, you know, he knows he's boss out there. There's uh, There's been some really squirrely instances, but that's – but it's, either way, it was it pushed my buttons to the right spot and made me a better person and player. No doubt. So I want to ask you, Ryan, you know, because you definitely showed spurts throughout your career and especially capped off by the 2001 Outback Bowl that, you know, you were a game-breaking game breaking type player. Again, you weren't Mr. Ohio, uh, Ohio's Mr. Football in accident. And you, you mentioned some of your teammates you came in, Derek Watson, um, Andrew Penning. Did you ever feel like you were kind of the guy that was overlooked or maybe underrated during your time at, at South Carolina? Because it's funny, this show we're actually doing uh, posing the question, who's the most underrated Gamecock of all time? And I'll be honest, I would put you probably top five or top ten on that list. I think my whole life I've, I feel that way, um, just as a player, uh, what I did. I kind of kept the chip on my shoulder, honestly. Um, you know, I've had uh, – at times when recruiting being places that I've had coaches tell me that I was the wrong color to play this position, straight to my face on a recruiting visit. So it's just one of those, and you kind of look at it and say, you know what, that's fine. I'm going to show you that I'm a running back, and I'm going to do what I can do out there. Um, but it's, uh, I've always had that little chip, and I've had guys that, uh, you know, even recruiting visit here, they said, hey, you'll never play here. You're, 
you got Troy you know, Hambrick in front of you and, and Boo Williams and all these guys, you'll, you'll never see it down. But that's what I'll even see him be play because you look at my stature, you look at, you know, and they just look at me and say, hey, you know, maybe this guy can't do it. Uh, but that was the motivating factor for me, and it's fine. You, know, you bring bring them all, bring whatever you can. I'm going to show you on that football field. So um, I miss it tremendously, that, that aspect, was you try to keep carrying that on through life, just the, whatever you can find that motivates you and keeps pushing to the next level. How would you describe your – not just your running style, but because like, like you mentioned, you played running back, receiver, you were on special teams, wherever you get on the field. How would you describe your playing style to people? I'll just uh, – my biggest thing is – is every play is a is a challenge, is a war, is a battle within itself, and that was the thing that people miss. Is it's you got to go and you have it. You have an opportunity and you have an assignment to do at that one moment, that one play. You've been you've been caught up and coached and coached what to do. If you do that play 100, percent you you're a winner for that play. And that was you know one of coaches things, getting a winner certificate, and they grade you out in every play. So I never wanted to be pinpoint and have that laser point on hey look at Brewer right there he loafed or look at him or have a missed assignment so it's just finding that internal battle to make sure that every play that you have you win it and that's you know I was I was a decent player enough like vision wise and uh, finding the holes and being able to explode through those I was quick enough to get you know make it the first man miss and then I, I love the, the contact after my goal goals of running backs to make one guy miss and after that I get to run someone over and that's I always want to try to deliver the blow you know instead of taking it no doubt. So, Ryan, let's move into it. Let's just go ahead and talk about the 2001 Outback Bowl again. You were named MVP of the game. You guys yep. dismantle Ohio State 24-7. You have three touchdowns, uh, 92 yards on the ground, 109 yards receiving. Uh, let me ask you this. Before, going into the week that, you know, that, that, that week of that game, was the game plan to get the ball in your hands a lot already, or was it a situation where it just kind of came about during the game you were open or you guys were in good position to get you the ball? I mean, just talk about what the game plan was and I guess how involved you were in it. I don't, you know, I don't think the game plan was to see, you know, get the ball in my hands per se. It was more uh, just see how the flow was going to go. I mean, you had, you know, Petty quarterback, J.K. out wide, and you know, Brian Scott, we had a lot of good weapons offensively. And like I said, defense, defensively, we were destroying them. Um, the, the craziest part about the game as it went was you could tell that our O-line was absolutely dominating their D-line. So the, the, the running plays out wide where I can cut back lanes were, were open. Uh, screen plays were open the whole time because they wanted to come up field as quick as possible. We had a couple of draws that uh, it was kind of funny. When one of the draw plays there, you know, I was supposed to wait for a count snap and, and, and then come back through. But Phil, same mindset as me, saw the blitz coming. We hit it quick and just went right up the middle. I think it was 15, 17 yards with, you know, just – we're reading the we're reading them and playing off of their you know what they're doing wrong out there, um, but it was just it was just one of those games. I think you you know as a coach you can start feeling the momentum going. You know when the hot hand's there, and I was I was getting the hot hand. I was feeling it. I was feeling the game going through um, when that was going. He was going there, so they kept pushing the ball in my hands. But it was it was a uh, surreal moment. But leading up to practice, it, I didn't think it was going to be this way. It was one of those a um, lot of distractions, a lot of things going on with the media and the coverage trying to make this more uh, David Goliath type deal, more, you know, me versus Ohio State and John Cooper and all that. When, it, you know, we had, a, like I said, this had, this game, yes, may, maybe I was the MVP, but our line dominated, our defense dominated. Uh, it was just a whole group effort out there, and it, it was a real fun game, you know, to be a part of. Now, Ryan, you already mentioned you're a guy that played just played in general with a chip on your shoulder. So I know it's a silly question to ask, but I mean, you know, with all the media stuff, you try to block it out. But I mean, how big of a factor was it that again, 
this was your home state school. You were Ohio's Mr. Football, and they did not recruit you. How big of a factor was that for you going into game day, and how badly, I guess, did you want to have a good game against those guys? Yeah, I mean, I always want to have a good game. You, you can say all the – I don't want to say all the coaches speak or whatever, you know, that's – I'm going out there to do what I can do, you know, like I said before, one play at a time type deal, 100%. But there was a there was a little different feeling going on in this game. Like I said, with all the, the media in my hometown only being, you know, a little less than a mile away from, from Columbus, uh, it, it was – you know, I, I have guys now that have Gamecock tattoos that are, you know, in Troy, Ohio. So there's – it was a big deal um, for my little town, for – uh, for myself, from family, uh, just to go out there and, and prove, you know, prove them wrong. Prove them, you know, this, you understand there was times I'd go to uh, recruiting visits, uh, one of the Illinois games, one of the biggest ones. That you know, Ohio State told me to come there. I went there with my brother. Um, and at that time, the running back coach said, hey, I think coach is going to offer you a scholarship. Well, Coach Cooper walked up to me and, and pretty much just gave me a, you know, a little swim move and went to the next guy. Say hey or nothing, you know, kiss my butt, nothing. Just walk right by me, give me a swim move. And that was when the moment my brother looked at me and said, "Hey, we're going to Michigan." This is before Lou, you know, came to South Carolina. So we're going to Michigan. We're going to we're going to take it to these guys. And he said, "You know what? That's a great idea." But then Coach Holtz luckily, you know, came down here. It's just, it was a moment that I thought would never happen coming to the SEC, playing for South Carolina, that I'd ever be able to play against Ohio State, and not only once but twice, and be able to, you know, you know, kick their ass two times in a row was awesome. No doubt. I wanted to ask you, because you, like you mentioned, you know, it was a David versus Goliath matchup, if you will. You know, this great program, Ohio State against South Carolina, who, you know, just a couple year, years ago had a 21-game losing streak. Again, I talked about the chip on your shoulder. Do you feel like that resonated with the entire team as well, though? Because, again, like you said, I think South Carolina was very slept on in this game. And, again, like you mentioned, I mean, you guys went out there just kicked ass. I mean, all facets of the game. Do you think yeah. that was widespread throughout the team? Oh yeah, there are. So we we have to go to meetings and dinners with you know together collectively, Ohio State and us. And and Coach Holtz had us trained right. We're wearing our ties, or we're always wearing the same outfits, and, and you know staying as a group, just you know being a team. These guys would come in like, you know, like for one, like who are these? Who's South Carolina? You can just read their body language. They thought they were just going to walk all over. So it just it kept building more and more. We knew we were fine. You know, for where we came from. You know, the 0-11 season to where we were, we knew, you know, we battled our tail. We worked our tails off in the off season. We had, you know, one of the best groups of guys that we still hang out with, you know, that my brother's forever. And that, that's because of what we did and what we, we accomplished, because of where we came from. That, you know, those sophomores, they, they did the 1-21. I was, you know, I was 0-11. They all been through that. Never want that to happen again. You finally get a chance to play against a team that's the prominent national powerhouse, the Buckeyes that, they walk in the room like, you know, they can just roll their helmets out on the field and just beat us. And, yeah, they were uh, – they slept on us a little little bit too long and, and, and got the feeling, feelings hurt a little bit after that game. No doubt. I also want to say thank you to you, Ryan, because you produced from that game one of the best gifts I've ever seen. I don't know if you have seen it, but the one where you're on the ground and the, you're getting up, the Ohio State players kind of like over your shoulder and you just straight up flip him over your back is probably one of the all-time gifts – out there so I don't know if you have you seen that one I guess I have to ask I put it I, I well yeah I put it out well, I put it, that video I guess out there I was a new year yeah it was I think it was 2017 or 18 I said get off me 2017 2018 <laughs> tier or something like that I put that out there on my Twitter on my Twitter page just uh, uh just joking around but Wilhelm yeah I, I think he got the uh, uh the brunt of 
the face mask from DOS there. That I, you know, I thought he was standing over me a little bit too long, but when you go back and watch film, it really wasn't that long. But it just felt like one of those moments. Why is this guy standing over top of me for 30 seconds? But it was you know, about a second. And then I was a little, you know, still fired up at the moment. I mean, DOS did try to rip my head off with, you know, hold on my face mask the whole time. So uh, about ripped my cornea off too. But it was, uh, yeah, it, it was uh, another, again, another moment that just, uh, just instilled with the fire that was running through me to be able to stand up and throw a guy like that. So awesome. So awesome. All right. So let's move right into the Carolina Clemson rivalry, obviously. Um, it's interesting for you. Again, you're not an in-state guy. So coming from out of state, I know it's probably a game you didn't whole, know a whole lot about. Um, you were able to beat those guys once in 2001 at home. But just talk about the rivalry in general. When did it click for you how big of a game that was? It's, um, you know, when we first get here and you're, you're training, I said I was in Ohio State, Michigan, grew up through that. Uh, grew up through the Louisville, Kentucky uh, basketball rivalry. I was I was in that area. I was born in Louisville. Um, but when you get here and you get on campus, especially those years, that's all it was about. That's all the fans cared about. That's all it was. You know, it was, it was hey, you got to take it to Clemson. They had nothing nothing else they worried about. You got to take it to Clemson, and um, it, it grew real quick. And you know, I've been here long enough. And it, but it's it's uh, it's hard for me to even see the, what Orange is doing right now. It's uh it's tough to swallow, but um, you know what they their their hats off to them. They're working their tails off. But at that moment, that time, um, my freshman year, I remember walking. We'd walk across to the graveyard, you know, for practice, and and before that game, we're you know you got to realize we're we're zero ten, <laughs> and they still had there's hope. They're still we're going to beat these you know we're going to beat these guys, and we don't want to get the whatever zero bars thrown on the field and all that. But it's um. The crazy part, it is a more of a fan-based rivalry. Being out of it, I, I have more hatred than I did for the players at the time. I've, you know, more – I the hatred's maybe – no, that's the right word. Never mind. But, you know, <laughs> then the, going through it. So, it's uh, as, as a player, you, you're on the field. You, you understand what they're doing. They're, you know, you're trying to win a ball game. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's just one of those – the rivalries that you can feel. You literally can feel it in the stands. You can feel the energy. You can feel the excitement. And it's – and when you're down there and you got 8,000 around you and they all have that same feeling, it's a, it's a great excitement, like hair-rising excitement. I'll ask you the same question I asked Phil Petty, and I know the response I'm going to get from you, but is there any doubt in your mind that Rod Gardner pushed off? Oh, hell no. He pushed <laughs> off. He, you, think, you think that Andre Goodman's going to let that dude catch a ball without a, getting a penalty on him? Well, that was, there's no doubt about it. And that was a – yeah, that was a moment. You know – I, I always wonder if they do call that or if we end up winning that game, what, the, you know, instead of the push off game, would it be the Tommy Hill fumble recovery in the end zone? I don't know if, if anybody even knows that happened. Yeah. You know, I actually, was going I've gone back and, and watched and remember that. Yeah. The, the fumble recovery. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, uh, would he go down? Did he miss his big moment in Gamecock history? You know, because of that push off as well. You know, there's things that, you know, you just don't, and it's then the kickoff return afterwards. You know, the crazy part about it, besides highlights and watching that play, I yet to watch that. Shoot, I have yet to watch the Outback Bowl, both of them in full. I've watched highlights. I've watched that because being the end of the year, we never watched. You know, didn't watch tape on it. I didn't watch film on it a thousand times. So all those end of year games, I really have yet to go back and, and watch them all. Um, and it's hard for me to watch this too. I critique the heck out of myself, even no matter what I do. I think I do it wrong on the field. So. Um, but it's just one of those, um, 
but go back to your question. Hell yeah, they pushed off. <laughs> no doubt. And then finally, just talk about again, you did beat them in 2001 at home. I know it was a huge relief for South Carolina because it ended a few years losing streak to those guys. Just, I guess, talk about, because at that point, you certainly knew how big of a game it was and what it meant to you. Just how satisfying was it, I guess, to, uh, to be able to beat Clemson? Oh, yeah, it's uh, kind of like a, a little weight came off our shoulders. But she, where we came from, um, like I said, the, the seasons we had before and what we've been doing and then knowing how close we were. We battled so much and, and, and getting there and, and just to have that, that victory. I mean, it's just, it, you know, one of, those, one of the best parties we ever had was after that game, for sure. <laughs> so it was yeah, with everybody. It was teammates, fans. Um, just what a heck of a time because it's something we needed that monkey off our back. For sure. So I want to go back to another game, Ryan, in the 2001 season. You actually caught a touchdown in the win, the uh, the thrilling win over Alabama, the first time South Carolina had ever beaten Alabama in school history in 2001. Talk about, you know, that game. Obviously, again, you got a touchdown in that game, but just talk about that game. I mean, that was a crazy, crazy, well, crazy the, game. Yeah, for, just talk yeah. about that one. What, uh, yeah, Unbelievable game, and actually Rodney Trafford caught the game-winning touchdown pass um, in that one. Um, tight end, first only only catch in the in his Gamecock history, and, and had a touchdown, and went on to the NFL for years. Actually, as a tight end bouncing around journeyman, um, he was kind of t- uh, passing that one. Uh, but just like it's one of those, it's kind of uh, fans kind of now the Garcia Alabama game win, um, just. As a fan, feeling the excitement in there, uh, and just feeling how the how, how loud the stadium, Williams Bryce can get, and how exciting and and the energy going in there. But it's still a different feeling when you're on that field and knowing that you're beating a team that's you know so good and you know they're they're supposed to be whipping up on the you know, poor little Gamecocks, and here we are just taking it to them again, pounding the ball on them, our O line just dominating a team that shouldn't be getting dominated, supposed according to the stats and what's going on. But, we had it in us that, that game. We had it in everybody there fighting together, playing as a team. Um, just, uh, just unbelievable. Not, and I just, the one thing I do miss more than anything is being on that field and just feeling. It's just the, just the pure energy and the pure electricity that can go through you, and it makes you amp up just one more notch, just one more you know gear that can make you like literally run through a wall, no matter what it is. You feel like you can do it. Um, it's just, God, I hate that. I hate that. I can't have that feeling anymore at that level. Uh, I just, I'd like to go, you know, crazy thing about it, I like to go down and kick off one more time. Except now I'd probably get kicked out of the game because of all the <laughs> daggone soft rules that came up with. But, you know, that was my favorite, favorite time. I always, even as a return man, I wanted to kick off first. I wanted to go down there and just lay the living crap out of somebody to start the game, and then I was ready to go the rest of the game. Miss that. Ryan, do you feel like that your underdog story sort of fits in well with kind of Gamecock football as a whole? Because, I mean, I could argue that South Carolina football, like you're mentioning, especially when you played there, was kind of the underdog story, if you will. It's the team that, you know, some people will say is not supposed to win or not supposed to be in this position. And, you know, I I tell people, you know, as a Gamecock fan and watching Gamecock athletics, South Carolina, they have to fight, scratch, and claw for everything they get. I mean, they're Gamecocks, right? Do do you feel like you – because I feel like you very much so meshed that your personality almost personifies what South Carolina football and being a Gamecock is really all about. Yeah, I've, I've never, never looked at it that way because that's not, you know, it's maybe, yeah, the way I played the game, the way the, 
way I believe the game should be played is is Carolina football. It is the way. You know, we're not – you know, we're getting to a point that now we're we're getting up to the Joes with our facilities and everything we have. But it's – you know, yeah, we got to fight our ass off to get get somewhere. We got to – you know, we got to go there and show these guys are all five stars and four stars. And, you know, I don't even know if I had a star when I was coming out of there. I might have been a half star. I don't really care. <laughs> you know, it's it's it doesn't matter. That's what you know. The guys we the the Coast Simpsons, the the guys that you know, DJ Swearing, the guy that play the game just for the love of the game and like to you know lay the wood on people and um, and just and fight and, and just for every inch. You know that that's what Gamecock football is about. And I think we're getting back to that. I think Coach Muschamp's got us to a point that these we're getting some guys that are just gritty. You know, we want we want leaders. We want guys that have the heart you know, of a lion out there and ready to take anything on, no matter how big it is, you know, just, just run them through. Just realize that you're, you're, you know, you're both men out there. That was, God, I missed that so much. Just to line up this, you know, you have a Fred Smoot or you'd have a, you know, a number one draft pick or somebody in front of you and just look in the house. I'm about to kick your ass. Well, I don't, you know, just because they, they, they're going to look at you and say, you're South Carolina. You know, or you're, you're, you know, you're Ryan Brewer. Who are you? Well, I'm about to show you who I am. Is there one scenario you can point out, like you just mentioned, where you looked a guy in the, or you saw maybe a linebacker looked a guy in the eyes and you got the ball and that exact scenario happened while you're at South Carolina? Because I have to imagine you would remember that. <laughs> uh, I, I've had I've had plenty of moments where I wasn't a big talker on the field, but I, I was more of a uh, just you know show you type deal. Like so, we we get great at every play, and so we. And there's a lot of times I said Mississippi State. I said Fred Smoot because I was the one I remembered. Hold game. He's just John. I mean, just everybody out there. I finally got to go from slot to go out wide to to uh, the X receiver, and he didn't say anything to me. I, I was like lined up. So what's wrong? You want to talk to me? Because I I ain't talking to you. You're going to take my legs off. So that's probably smart. So it was just you know it's just one of those moments that you're like all right. So everybody they start realizing you know I'm. I'm out for blood when it comes to this. It's a, it's a, it's a battle for me out there. So no matter what it is, uh, I'm trying to beat you at every, every moment on that field. Where would you say that came from? Just the way you were raised or just how you played? I mean, where did that come from for you? I, I don't know. It was always just instilled in me that I, I don't like to lose. I don't like to lose at anything. Um, maybe how I was raised, you know, mostly my older brother pushed me. I had a five-year-old brother that we'd fight and, you know, play ball, I mean, almost every day, you know, we, we just, he'd go after me and try, and I just, I didn't want to lose to him, didn't want to lose anybody, so it's, it's something I think just always been, you know, you can, you can, you can see it in guys out there, you know, competitive nature in there, and, you know, who's, who really wants to win, and who wants to, you know, make sure that, not just win, just dominate, and I don't, I don't like to even, you know, I hate it when I got two, two, a 10 and 12 year old girl, but I, girls, and I don't want them to beat me in anything, you know, eventually they're going. They might be able to, but right now I'm not going to let them. So they're going to have to work for it. They're going to earn it. That's awesome. So Ryan, you mentioned earlier, kind of just the passion, the electricity, the excitement behind you know South Carolina football, and you mentioned the Alabama game. I know another game from 2001 that really had that passion and energy was the Florida game. I know the game didn't turn out the way you guys wanted, but I know the video of the the 2001 entrance. I mean, I, I have to imagine. I'm just for me looking at that video. That seemed like to me arguably one of the loudest moments at Williams-Rice during your South Carolina career. Is there one that you would say that tops that, or what would you cite as the loudest you ever heard Williams-Rice? as? A oh, player? man. As a player, yeah, so Florida, Alabama game was, was out there. Um, 
and top wise, you know, the craziest, the place we ever played, that was allowed was Little Rock, Arkansas. That's what Phil we said. Play as well, right? Yeah. Oh, I mean, yeah, it was Phil. Did Phil play in that game? Let's see. Yeah, I don't say, I can remember Kevin Sides was in one of the, this was the year, the year we had like 16 quarterbacks or something stupid starting. And I think it was Kevin Sides looks doing an audible and we're in the eye formation. I'm at running back and Andrew Pennix, the fullback. He looks back and yells something and Pennix looks back at me and tries to and ask me, Hey, what'd he say? I, like, I don't know. You're closer than I am. I don't, I don't <laughs> we couldn't hear, you couldn't hear yourself think at that place. It was, I mean, they're right on top of you. Uh, unbelievable, but it's, but it's still, it's, it's such a different feeling. I, and I, I, as much as I love Williams Bryce, I did, but it's something that, again, I guess how my mentality is the me against the world type mentality. When I was away, the louder the stadium got, the more, you know, the more energy I had, uh, just wanting to sh- just shut them up. Um, so that was one of those, again, you know, just bring the noise. I, my, my goal right now is to make you all quiet. So, but I, man, it's, uh, you got me sweating over here now. I'm 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 ready to I'm ready to tote the rock. <laughs> <laughs> no doubt. So let's talk about, you know, Ryan again. You mentioned earlier you guys beat Ohio State two years in a row. This time I think what's really interesting, it was a ranked matchup. You guys were ranked fourteenth in the country, Ohio State twenty third in the country. And I think you know that Ohio State, I mean if they were, they were foolish, was not gonna be taking you guys lightly because you just whooped their tail the year before. Um I know your teammate again, Phil Petty, who we had on the show, great guy. He actually got the MVP honors in that one. Uh, you had a pretty solid game, two catches for 17 yards receiving and then rushing five rushes for 61 yards. But, I mean, leading into that game, you know, you, you talked about how you never thought you would see Ohio State across the field from you when you came to South Carolina. I mean, how crazy was it you were going to see them again for a second straight year? Yeah, that's when you realize that bowl matchups are you – know, it was kind of uh, trying to keep the SEC and Big Ten together on a lot of those uh, bowl games. But um, for a team that – doesn't go to a lot of bowl games. We didn't, you know, first off, didn't think we'd see Ohio State once. Then we could see them back to back. And, um, you know, we thought this and how the Ohio State players, you know, I saw some of them at the bars out there and stuff. And they're talking about how this is the revenge game and all that rematch, all that crap to us, spitting all that. And it's like, you know what? That's fine. We got to strap it on again. And, um, but they, they came out a little bit, at least the fourth quarter, they, they started making a little interesting game. But, uh, again, if you watch film on there, our D-line linebackers just dominated, and the DBs are so good that we had with, with Sheldon and Dre and Willie and uh, just cover them all up it's, and face that, face on and, and Jonathan Martin. I mean, it was, we, had, we had some unbelievable uh, defensive players uh, through, our, through my years at Carolina. And then, you know, offensively, Phil had a, had a really good game and ended up being the MVP there, and it was just a – it was a battle, battle in the trenches, uh, won again by, by our guys. Yeah, I was going to say the defense holding Ohio State, 35 rushes for 64 yards. That's, that's pretty good numbers. But, yeah, that game, you guys are up 28-7 to going into the fourth quarter. Ohio State rattles off 21 <laughs> straight points. Then Daniel Weaver uh, hits the game-winning field goal. I feel like a lot of people forget about that, that Daniel Weaver hit that game-winning field goal. But, anyways, you guys get the 31-28 win. I mean, again, it, it's you know your junior year going into your senior year. Just talk about – Again, just how satisfying it was to beat those guys twice in a row now. Yes, it was super satisfying with all the work that we did um, coming in there. Uh, just the East, there's not enough said for what the guys, like right now, what, what these players are doing, the work they put in the offseason. Um, you watch them, which is so, you know, what they do now with the videos, Justin King and all, showing, showing what these guys can do um, and what they do every day and the, the blood, sweat, and tears they're putting out there. 
and, and just how satisfying it is to put it all together and to be, you know, you know bowl games are they're there for you know, your season. It's a, it's a gift. It's a, it's an honor to go play in these games. And, um, and I, I really, we appreciate those and we pushed it and everybody there, no matter, um, no matter what they, you know, had and what they looking like at draft wise, they were, they were out there to give it their all to get that next W for, for the Gamecocks and for the brothers out there. So, um, it, it was a big deal for us. Um, and it was a big deal to, to push ahead and then be able to get that, get that win, uh, let those seniors, you know, lead the field, uh, triumph. And that's, it's, it's a huge deal. Like, so those are your brothers. I mean, to lead the last game and have a W against a team like Ohio State again, is, it was really a satisfying. For sure. So 2002, your senior season, Ryan, you finished the year 20 carries for 31 yards, three touchdowns, also had a touchdown receiving as well. And like I mentioned, you had almost 1,700 yards from scrimmage, 10 touchdowns throughout your career. Um, the 2002 season, I know, did not go the way that you guys had hoped or planned. But just talk about – you know, walking off the field, you know, walking off Williams-Rice Stadium as a Gamecock for the last time. Just just talk about, kind of summarize your senior season and what it was like for you. Yeah, it was uh, it was bittersweet for sure. Um, it wasn't what we planned on. You know, that, that last Outback Bowl um, game, I got uh, I got barreled and they tore my ankle up pretty good. Uh, ended up having to have surgery, so I missed a lot of the offseason spring ball and stuff like that with the surgery on my ankle. Uh, and just kind of, it never shoot it. I mean, today is numb right now as I'm talking to you. I can't can't feel my ankle. Um, just one of those injuries that I'll, I'll have forever. Um, but it just, it, it it stuck with me. We pushed through. We grew it through. We had some um, some good games, tournament games, things that things that happen that you you, know, you sit there. I never. I'm not a big ifs and shows, widows, whatever. Uh, but the one game, Georgia game. You know, we're on the goal line. It, it, what happens if we we score a touchdown there? You know, as George always says, that snowball game. You know, we get that we get that going, momentum going, and then watch out for the you know, watch out for the game cups. But it, it was just a one of those that you know we we uh, we did it in ourselves a couple of games. Virginia game, I, I had a uh, got crushed on kickoff, and they were I don't know if they scored. I got knocked out, so I don't know if they scored or uh, not. But I turned the ball over. I was in the next next series, but. Um, it was just it was a bad it was a it was a season that we had uh, ups and downs and you know didn't want to go out that way but still we fought our we fought our tails off. No doubt. So uh, you're a guy, obviously, Ryan. You love the game of football. It's evident talking to you. Just how tough was it? Obviously, life after college football, but hanging up the cleats. I mean, how tough was that for you uh, personally? <laughs> it's still tough. It's still tough. Uh, talking to you, like I said I'm sweating right now because I could I would love to put them on and 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 go one more round um you know that's the one of the, one of the coolest moments i've ever had is is winter workouts um we're, we're going we have mat drills you know we're up at five o'clock in the morning uh coach strong's trying to make us throw up on the mats coach coach moore's trying to make us throw up while we're doing sprints all the other coaches they're all you know trying to they're all trying to win they all want to be the the guy that makes everyone pass out and it's the it's it's the challenge most challenging thing you can go through as a football player and and we're doing sprints at the end of the um, at the end of winter workouts, and Coach Moore and Strong and Holtz are all out there, and, and you know everyone's hands on the knees and hands on the work, keep going, hitting them side to side, and you know, and all of a sudden you uh, hear Phil Petty say, "Hey, I ain't hearing no bell," and I step up and say, "One more round, one more round." It, it would be so much you know, to hear that one more time. Do it one more time would be uh, be amazing, but you gotta you gotta grow uh, 
grow up sometime, I guess, right? No, I, I think that's uh, – no, I'm <laughs> just kidding. But you've obviously went on, you know, Ryan, to do great things. You're obviously someone still very, very involved with Gamecocks football. I do want to talk about, though, some of the other things you've done as far as you have a fencing business. Uh, would love, just love for you to I, – I know people are very in touch with you and what you're doing because you make daily radio appearances and you're someone that is around South Carolina, like I mentioned. But just kind of talk about what – you know, what you did do after football, because I, like I said, you've been doing big things in the community and right, uh, right. throughout Gamecock. So, yeah, actually, yeah, actually, right. So, actually, I went to Baltimore's camp, Ravens camp for a little while. Um, when I got released there, I ended up going overseas and played in Europe. Um, played for the uh, Rhine Fire in Dusseldorf. Then I went and played the Berlin Thunder and won a World Bowl, World Bowl there for NFL Europe. Um, and then that's that was about it for football because I agent wanted me to go to Canada and go play some more, but like I said, my ankle was just torn up. I could barely hear. Every morning I'd get up and you know crawl out of bed just to get to the contrast best so I could jog, and then I'd be able to run later. So it just got a little too uh, too much for me to, physically to be able to do it. So, um, but so I went from there to you know move. I came back or I never really left Columbia. Uh, you know, married here, married a volleyball player. Um, living in now and I have a fence company, Ryan River Fence here, that I've been running since about 2005. So, golly, that's a long time. <laughs> been running since 2000, 2005, and we are now actually – we just moved to West Columbia right across the farmer's market. We, we do all from residential to commercial fencing and railing and um, just uh, purchase a fabricating business for all custom gates and rails and all that as well. As well. So we can – anything um, – you know, fence needs, railing needs. Now we can we can handle. Um, it's been it's been a wild ride. It's uh, now we're selling. We got I think 40 employees or so. Um, all all good men and women that are willing to work their tail off in this 4,000 degree heat in the, the summertime. So uh, it's been it's been fun. It's been challenging, but at the same time, that's what I that's what I like. I like a challenge every day. Absolutely. So, Ryan, let's move to current state of Gamecock football. Let's move into current day South Carolina Gamecocks. Well, I want to start with you kind of on a different note, though, because you're a guy that has played the running back position. I know you were all over the field again, but you know you know what, what it takes to play the running back position. And, and I feel like that's been a position that's been a shortcoming for South Carolina, at least since, I guess I could argue, since Mike Davis was drafted in 2014. Right. Without naming any specific names, obviously, what do you think right now is missing from the Gamecocks' backfield as far as a running back? Because Jake Bentley catches a lot of the flack, a lot of the blame for the lack of production on offense. Or I think his numbers are a little skewed because of a lack of any consistent running game and a true number one running back. I mean, when you take a look at the backfield, what do you think is missing there? Uh, you just said it there, consistent, consistency. You need a guy that's uh, not, you know, it's just, holding on to the football, getting the three, four, or five hard yards, but also a guy that can break free. Um, you, don't, you don't have to have a Lattimore. You know, Mike Davis, you know, he's kicking – you know, he's doing great right now in the NFL, but he wasn't the, a guy you say, oh, man, you know, anytime he's going to break it, he's going to do this. He was just consistent. He runs hard, runs behind his pads, finds the, you know, finds the open holes. And you got a guy like Wolf right now, a coach that's you know, getting these O-line right. You've got to have a running back that can find the holes. Uh, just reading them and then holding on the ball. We got some guys that, that can, that, that can run it. It's just they got to be in every down situation. I'm not a, I'm not a huge fan of the platooning guys, and I think that's how football is going now, and especially with the wear and tear. But um, 
mean, I was a guy that the more touches you had, the better better you're going to be in a game. Uh, I know I'm wearing down a defense. The more I, you know, the more I'm hitting them, hitting them. So, but that's that games change. So these guys have to be a heck of a lot faster off the blocks, and because they'll pull the string on them quick now. Running backs are kind of like Spurrier's quarterbacks. They'll pull them, you know, pull them out if they, you know, if they have a one bad run or whatever. Because there's four or five wait. Now we don't have that that superstar there. We don't have the you know Lattimore or that yet. But recruiting wise and what what they're doing, uh, it's going to get there. Um, and I, you know, I say that we don't have them. There might be guys, someone there, that just hasn't had had enough touches. Hasn't had that feel yet. It's a um, there's a couple of running backs on that squad that I like to see, you know, get a little more touches there and um, and be able to get a feel for the game and get moving, you know, and just uh, and see what they can do later on down that once once they start wearing people out. Yeah, I agree with you 100. percent Ryan, talk about again. I think it's interesting with you. You know, you came in at a time to South Carolina where. You know, Lou Holtz, I believe, really did change the culture. I think we can look back and say there's no Steve Spurrier without Lou Holtz, for example. I think Lou Holtz really changed the culture of Carolina football. And then we all saw Steve Spurrier, what he did at South Carolina, even more so changed the culture. And with that great winning – the great winning seasons, the 2010 SEC East title, the 2011 to 2013 11 win seasons. And then now with Will Muschamp. Talk about your – I guess I'm sure you've had conversations and uh, sat down with Will Muschamp. Just talk about kind of how you see the Gamecock football program under his leadership. Right. I mean, that's the thing. Culture change is, is huge. Um, and the biggest thing that I think Coach Holtz did, you know, besides getting Spurrier to come here, was getting guys that are winners. Um, you know, he was, you know, he, like you said earlier in this thing, is Coach was hard to deal with because he'll call you a loser in a heartbeat. you got to prove him wrong. You know, he's, you know, you either – you're a loser. You want to hang out with a bunch of losers. You know, he'll, he'll tell you that and right to your face. Uh, but that's the thing is he started getting guys that are winners. Uh, Spurrier came in and, and he got winners. He got the, the Shaws and Lattimores, uh, the, just guys that can just came from championship caliber high school teams. Um, and that's, that's a big deal. If you come in, no matter what you are, and you're not used to losing, you don't want to lose. You don't want to be that. You, you're known as a winner and you're going to stay that way. You know, there's, and so that's why I think Muschamp – tell you what, Muschamp's a guy, um, players coach, he's a guy I'd love to play for just because the fire they have. You go to those practices, I can't bring my kids because you got to have earmuffs going. But, um, <laughs> man, it's uh, – it's, it's, you talk about getting fired up and, and wanting to run through somebody, just watching the, the energy and, and what he instills in the players. Every assistant coach has that same energy, and they're just flowing through these guys and – and how they, they they take it on every day from recruiting to the to workouts to practice field, and it's all going to translate on that game field, and it's, and it's going to happen because again, winners are coming into this program. Winners are guys that are going to changing this culture again and just make this a you know a South Carolina household name. The word this is a it's a football team that's meant to be dealt with. Ryan, talk about the 2019 schedule. It's something everybody wants to talk about. I'll tell you the way I look at it, Ryan. I look at it more <laughs> as an opportunity in the sense that South yeah. Carolina is going to play so many. You know, South Carolina hasn't been all that great against ranked opponents since Will Muschamp's taken over. We all know that. But they're going to have so many opportunities this year against ranked opponents, against quality opponents to really go out on a national stage, if you will. We already know the Alabama game, the CBS game. You already know the Georgia and Clemson game will be national games. Probably all the other SEC games will as well. They're going to have the opportunity to kind of shock the world, quote unquote, if you will. How, how do you view the 2019 schedule? Because I feel like you probably view it in a similar light. <laughs> I love it. 
Now, people I talk to about it, you know, they say, hey, what do you think? I say, oh, it's, it's brutal. That's normally because I just don't want to talk to you about it for a long time. So, but just me and you talking about this, I think it's awesome. As the, you know, quote unquote underdog and coming in, this is your time to shine. This is your time to prove. Just, I mean, you go out there and these guys, you know, yes, they, they're all five stars to whatever you are. Go out there and kick their ass. This is the time to you know, prove to, to everyone that you can be there. And I think, you said, well, I always, I think I preach through this podcast is, hey, the hard work pays off. These guys are working their ass off right now. Now show it on the football field. I don't care if it's Bama, Clemson, Georgia, Florida, whoever the hell it is. It doesn't matter. You know, these, I'm not, you know, yes, these are very talented football teams. But you see when we're, we're clicking, even last year when we're clicking, we hang in with all of them, if not beating some of them. So it's a time to shine and, and, and surprise some people. But once you surprise one of them early, you're not going to be surprised anymore. So um, I really think we bring a game to these guys and, and show how hard we've been working. It's going to be a, it's going to be an interesting season to watch. Ryan, have you ever been approached about being a running backs coach or some sort of coach before? Cause I will tell you, you've got the <laughs> fire and passion tenacity to, I feel like make a really good one. Uh, uh, you know what I would, yeah, I have, but not, not in a while with, with my business going, what we're doing everything, but I'd love to get, there's no doubt. I love the game. I'd love to, uh, you know, instill the fire in some people if I could or some, you know, um, if I get chance to do camps, I jump on those and try to push some kids as much as I can. It's kind of, um, but it's, it's guys, it's such a great sport. And it's a, it's a game that you just passion and fire you can have. And if you can, if you can teach it and, and see what a kid can do on the field because of something you taught them, it, it's fulfilling. There's no doubt about it. So, um, I don't know if I can do the hours these coaches do though. <laughs> <laughs> the amount of, like the, the amount of stress I put on myself to you know and like they do too is just trying to be great at everything you do at every moment something I want to go back to Ryan that you touched on earlier about the uh the the, the rules something I want to go back to the rules of football the game of football how it's uh things are kind of soft now and I you know I tend to agree that the game has changed as far as the concussion stuff and the way that they're throwing penalties. I mean, we see the NFL week after week. Guys are getting penalties for just pretty much sacking the quarterback. Pretty normal stuff, but getting penalties, you know, roughing the passer. Right. Uh, what I, I mean, are, are, do, you, do you have any fear for the future of the game of football? I do. Um, I, do have, I do have fear. Not, don't get me wrong. I understand. I mean, I have had plenty of concussions, and um, I actually take medicine because, because I'll forget crap in a heartbeat. Um, my short term memory is horrible. But that's just how I played. I wouldn't change it for anything. I mean, that's how I played. Uh, that's how it is, you know, there. But I do have I have, I have the fear just not because the rule changed so much as parents now or don't want the kids to play football. They don't want them to get hurt. Um, so, you know, I think, and as a soccer fan itself, I think that might be a good thing for soccer coming up in the future, for especially U.S. teams going there. But uh, football wise, I think it might, it definitely is something to uh, look out for. Um, who's going to play the game? And that's just, but I, I do miss the, I miss the collisions. I miss the, I miss seeing them on TV and I miss it myself. You know, one of the uh, things I was known for was the whole, with punt returner, putting my heels on the 10 and if the ball was over my head, acting like I was going to catch it. But once I saw that gunner coming out, he lifted his head up. I was, I was on a dead sprint trying to put my face mask through his chest. And that was, uh, Tell you what, you do that a couple times, and then it's on film. The next gunner's coming down. They they know better than to put their head up. They they told me about it too. I'm not getting hit by you, so, so you can strike fear in somebody. I'll be. 
No doubt. Ryan, I feel like I know this answer before I even ask you the question, but if you look <laughs> back on your South Carolina career, your favorite memory, your favorite specific memory from wearing the Garnet and Black? Oh, honestly, it was, uh, it was you know, game-wise, you, you know, everybody say Outback Bowl, Outback Bowl. You know what? It was just being with my brothers. It was being, you know, those the two-a-days, the, the winter workouts. It was the times, the, the work we put in um out there that's just you that no one else can really do it's a different breed of when you're an athlete you you know it's you're something special and that's uh you know it's you know i've had i've had many of uh game experiences things that have happened you know i went the kentucky away game um in lexington i think we had over 500 600 fans from my hometown came to the game um and just you had a had a decent game there and it was just see all of them after the game that was a great experience you know going through 2001 um is an unbelievable experience but i always after i did it once through the smoke i always stayed in the back after that because i don't want to be the the jerk that tripped and fell so i always had that you know, i always had that fear i was gonna be that guy um but the, you know there's just the just the whole atmosphere in itself you know i was i was told uh at a young age to soak it all in to make sure you know you try to uh realize the moments you're in and there's times i would i'd literally stand on the field and just kind of do a 360 you know slow-mo and just look at all the fans in the stadium and say man this is this is cool this isn't going to happen too much longer and it didn't you know it flies by but it's uh man it was it was such a outstanding experience and and just moment in my in my life to be to be a gamecock so, Ryan, kind of off the wall here, I know that Eric does a great one. And Phil, it's funny, Phil on our show uh, a couple weeks ago refused to do this. But can you really? do it? He did not do his Holtz impression. He, he, he refused. I don't know if he thought Coach Holtz would oh, hear this what podcast. A baby. But he completely, he, he was, he said he wasn't going to go there, which I was fine, uh, whatever. I have to get oh, it man. back. You, all right, so you have, you have Kimry can do one, Courtney Levitt does one, and Phil Petty does one. The guys that I played with, and they are all very good, but they're all different. <laughs> Kimry does a slower hold. Kimry's Holtz. is very good. Kimry's is very, very good. Yeah, well, Kimry does a slower holds where Levitt does the more angry holds, and then Phil is right in the middle and can do them both. So for him not to do it, because I and you know Levitt and Kimry may get mad at me, but. Phil's actually better than both of them at, as an impression. And the fact that you didn't get him to do it is, is, is sad on his part. And I'm going to give him hell for it. <laughs> but I do, not, I do not do a Lou impression. But when I was in, when I was in uh, college, Coach Holtz called one of our kickers, dorm room, or no, was at, well, apartment complexes. And one of their roommates answered the phone. And, and, like, and he said, hey, can I talk to whoever? And uh, it, it says, whatever, and hangs up. Well, he calls back again, say, hey, I need to talk to whoever. And he goes, say, Brewer, Brewer, quit calling me. <laughs> so Coach Holtz thought I did impressions of him. So I think <laughs> I got on the back. But I was the one or doing impressions of him. So, But I do not do a coach impression because I, awesome. I'm just not good at it. I, I will tell you, Andy but, Boyd also is another guy we had on our show. He does a very, very good one. Very, you, it's, oh, it's very funny. Then you are, you are, you are, you, you are. His is funny, Andy's is funny, but you are. 
you have missed Phil's then if you think Annie's is good. <laughs> I'll be sure to get Phil back on and uh, get him to do that. hundred percent. Yeah, definitely, um, definitely. On that note, Ryan, before I let you go, it, I know again, playing for Lou Holtz, all the impressions, everything. He was a great football coach at the end of the day though, but your, I guess your favorite, your most funny Lou Holtz story specifically involving you that uh, you can tell in the airwaves. Oh man. Um, I don't know which ones you've all heard. So, I'm sure – I don't know. One of my moments, I don't know if they told you. They tell you about the Tennessee one yet? I, I haven't heard any of them ex- Phil, involving specifically you. I haven't heard okay. you in them. Oh, uh, yeah. This, uh, not, well, this is one of, my, one of my best – the funniest moments that just of seeing Coach Holtz was the Tennessee week, and he came into the meeting room, and he was wearing – you got a picture like the old kids, like huffy plastic helmet. Right, yeah. You know, like, and he with, the, with the Tennessee on it. Like, yeah. I'm talking yeah. like a, you know, like a 10-year-old helmet, right? He's right. wearing he's coming in, and he just comes storming in and just saying, are you afraid of this? Are you afraid of this? And just, and I mean, the problem, like, um, there's, you know, there's a lot of Outback Bull stories of uh, coming into my MVP year that uh, he, he got me a couple times. Not funny ones, but some bad ones where he, I think I, I I really mentioned it quickly that he he got on uh he got on my mom's answer machine and jumped me a little bit uh, not a little a lot of bit on, on my mom's answer machine was yelling and cussing me out and stuff and this is on Christmas Eve so but so when I fly in there I'm a little what the heck you know one of these deals I got to deal with this and I tell you every practice he was on my ass so much we ran a fake field goal I ended up running in the game I got sacked we ran a fake field goal. Where I was the wing and I had to I had to pivot and reverse out and the holder would flip me the ball then I'd have an out route a corner route or the or the kicker would, was running a a wheel route on the backside. Well, first time I do it, everyone's covered, so I run the ball and he's jumping my face. He said, "I've seen you. I know you can run the ball. I want to see if you can throw it." So next time when I get the ball, everyone's covered again. But I try to zip it in there. And I mean, he got in my ear. He's grabbed my face mask and said, "No wonder Ohio State didn't want your damn ass." And, and I mean, just jumping me. And Langston, Langston Morris next to me, he sees. I'm like, I guess I balled my fist up. He grabs me, goes, "Don't do it, bro. Don't do it." <laughs> I was, I was, it was open practice. Fans are out there. I'm like, "Oh man, I'm about to light the old man up." But again, master motivator, right? Master motivator. He got me fired up enough. Uh, I think he was. You know, it was one of those. Hey, get mad at me. You go play football when it, when the time comes. So, uh, but he he knew what he was doing. That's for sure. <laughs> for sure that's awesome well ryan really do appreciate you, appreciate you taking the time man i i know i can speak for all gamecock fans when uh when i say really appreciate the way you represented south Carolina, are still doing so now really appreciate you and definitely one of the gamecock greats i appreciate you taking the time man and uh let's do it again sometime soon for sure yeah awesome i, I definitely will uh, you know i appreciate you having me on and spurs up baby
Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.